What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Xander Effect. I'm your host, Xander Dames, alongside with my co-compatriot here, Mr. Jeremy Miller. And Jeremy, I can see that uh, we both, uh, you know, came uh, coordinated, you know, as yeah. rivals already. This this pretty much represent. this pretty much uh, explains the rivalry between uh, Jeremy and myself. <laughs> So well, let me let me say before we get going, I gotta I gotta give a little bit of props to the Bruins for backing into the NCAA tournament and getting into the the play in games and then having a rather sloppy play in win against Michigan State. But you hey, just they had did to go it. ahead and give us a jab, didn't you? They they did it. You know, you guys made it into the first round of the you know NCAA tournament. Yeah. So you know, congrats. Thanks, appreciate that. Where's your seat? <laughs> Uh, sixth ranked. Uh, that's, didn't didn't have to be, you know, back their way in. They're the yeah. number six seed. Yeah, yeah sure, whatever. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> after spanking UCLA uh, two or yeah, three I, times. Yeah, I was waiting year. for that one. I was waiting for you to go ahead and and bring that one hey, up. But how often do I get to brag about USC basketball? True, okay, true. That's very true. You're right, you're right about that. We're always beating the crap out of every single like like out of you and Come everybody on, with, else. With with UCLA's history there, this is I rarely ever get to brag about very true know, very USC true. having any domination here very true i'll give you i, I will go ahead and give you that one <laughs> so but um we have a lot of cool stuff going on for you guys today uh including in entertainment news sharon osborne gets a lot of death threats we'll talk a little bit about that also in sports uh the the question of whether or not khabib Nurmagomedov is retired has officially been answered we'll talk a little bit about that in in video game news looks like marvel's avengers is set to have a lot of uh, a lot of content coming our way this year in 2021 we'll talk a little bit about that plus we have today on the show uh successful stylist fashion stylist uh celebrity stylist podcaster uh ali levine is going to be joining us here today uh so that's going to be an awesome uh, an awesome experience to chat with her a little bit about uh, how she got started in the industry uh so that's going to be uh, a little bit later today but uh, uh jeremy it seems that uh you have uh you know as we always uh do we we always have obscure news and you have some obscure news for us today uh yes we do uh we have a long-awaited return of one of our favorite characters mm-hmm. it is florida man <laughs> florida man <laughs> florida man be, is that superhero it should definitely the most <laughs> big f the most <laughs> trailer park superhero in the world uh, of course <laughs> so we have naked florida man steals cop car of course why wouldn't he <laughs> a 20 year old florida man was reportedly running down i-10 completely naked on thursday oh my god by the time police arrived at the scene the man was lying in the road the police car pulled up on the opposite side of the road, and when they arrived, the man got up and ran towards the car. They're not sure exactly how he commandeered the vehicle, oh but news God. footage shows that he then crashed the police trooper car into a tree in Jacksonville. 
Wow. That doesn't surprise me a little bit. Did over $10,000 damage to the car and is facing uh, Grand Theft Auto, as well as multiple other charges. Resisting arrest, evading arrest, (laughs) (laughs) endangering others. Jesus, the list could go on and on with that one. Uh, Willful destruction of government property. (laughs) Oh, yeah. $10,000 damage to a cop car. Oh, dude. Dude, seriously. Actually, yeah, I, could, I was about to say, does it really cost that much? It probably would cost more to go ahead and uh, have a, you know, design a cop car, I would think. Um, it all depends on what they wrecked on it, you know, yeah. um, what they what they hit. I mean, most of them are still standard model uh, vehicles from whatever they're chosen from. It's just they have a few additions and stuff, you know. Yeah, the, the whole technical stuff, the whole like computer and cameras. Well, heck, what people don't realize is, you know, the, those old cruddy, you know, Chevy, what was it, Cavaliers and, and it, things. That I they thought it was the Crown Vic. Crown Vic. That was the well. One of the reasons I just, they I just used, remember from uh, from uh, from uh, the league. The league, yeah. The Crown Vic. The no, Crown Vic Peter situation. got the Crown Vic. <laughs> um, but the reason they used those specific cars, and I don't know if it's true for the Crown Vic as well, but they used the Chevys because they could take the regular engine out and drop a Corvette engine in it. Oh, yeah. And that's what a lot of the highway patrols did and a lot of the cops did was they'd rip out the regular engine and it was a perfect fit for a Corvette engine and they'd drop vet engines into these so that they were faster. Nice. Nice. Well, I mean, that that Florida man went up for a ride. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, he he uh, he gave him an interesting afternoon. <laughs> well, it's crazy. And I because, hope it was worth it. <laughs> uh, well, ten thousand dollars worth it. Apparently that was a ten thousand dollar ride and then some <laughs> apparently. But I mean, all this stuff, all this crazy stuff always happens in Florida for some reason. It does. And, I don't know, man. It's, what, the, what humidity. Are they drinking? it's the humidity or something. It's the water or something. I don't know what's going on. The, the freaking Nile uh, West Nile virus mosquitoes or something <laughs> bites them or something's weird yeah because i mean you know i also read a story on tmz actually because right now it's spring break for a lot of college students and uh a spring breaker actually was in the back seat of a of a of a of a of a florida uh, uh cop car and um apparently he was arrested for fighting there was a fight or something like that and the cops arrested him for for fighting well another spring breaker decided to open the door of the cruiser and that kid i swear it was almost like a scene like you know how when you have a dog that's been sitting inside <laughs> cooped up indoors the entire time and you let the door open and he runs out you know and it's like ah you know that's what it looked like as soon as the door opened that kid was <laughs> gone he was like he jetted out of there still handcuffed mind you he kind of looked like he kind of looked like a like a rooster or a hen coming out of the hen house and stuff with his wings backwards it was hilarious he was just like gone and and the thing is that like the the only reason why the cops knew he was gone was because all the spring breakers were running with him it was like a scene from rocky Mm -hmm. everybody was cheering (laughs) him on as he was running and he was like gone they found Found him arrest. Obviously, he didn't get very far. He was in the beach. Where was he going to go? He didn't get very far. They rearrested him, and now he's facing more charges. Of course, than the ones that he had. It's like, dude, seriously, why? Why did you go ahead and do that? You're facing more charges now. Truthfully, though, think about it. I mean, I'm not saying that I would have bailed out of the car, but I've been in a few scrapes, <laughs> and you just think look at the, you just look at the latch. You're like. 
Hmm. Well, I just, wonder what would happen. <laughs> I wonder how I'm far just, I would get. <laughs> I'm just saying, <laughs> if I happen to be in Florida enjoying a few drinks for spring break and partying, and all of a sudden I see some guy in handcuffs running his ass down the beach, I'm not even going to blink twice. I mean, I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, it's Florida. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> You're like, sure. <laughs> like, yeah, it sure. works. Yeah. That, that's 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 about right. <laughs> it's almost like a car chase in L.A. Oh God, just, tell me nobody even pays attention. Yeah, to you just see it go by. You're like, huh, yeah. yeah. I wonder if he's gonna get away. <laughs> that's about the only thing that runs through my head. I wonder how far he'll get. <laughs> like, will he will he make it to Mexico? Will he make it to Tijuana? Huh, they never know. do. They never do. They never. They, they they just can't seem to get away from the cops. They just can't get it. You know, can't police. outrun that eye in the sky, baby. Dude, that ghetto bird. Well, that's what they call him. The ghetto bird. It it can be done, but we won't talk about that. Let's. Let's talk later. <laughs> Let's plan that buying bank robbery later. <laughs> oh, not a bank robbery. I just I had a fast car at one point. Let's just leave it at that. Nice. <laughs> That's a story for another time. <laughs> and not, you know, let's wait till statute of limitations ever. <laughs> We'll go with that. <laughs> we got a lot of really cool stuff coming up next for you guys, uh, including Sharon. We'll talk a little bit about Sharon Osborne and her getting death threats uh, after the comments that uh, she has been accused of, uh, you know, and that's that's pretty much uh, some serious stuff going on with her right now. But first, here is Shakira and Alejandro Sanz Tortura right here on Xander Effect. Perderte. Yo sé que no he sido un santo, pero no puedo 
Shakira and Alejandro Sanz Tortura right here on the Xander Effect. In entertainment news, looks like Sharon Osbourne is still getting more flack. And it's so crazy because this all began due to the fact that Sharon was uh, was uh, in support <clears throat> of comments uh, because of uh, the 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 news reporter uh, that uh, was in uh, Good Morning Britain. Um, and, and he, you know, because of that whole, uh, ordeal, she started, she, she started off by basically supporting him, but then allegations started coming out saying that, uh, I mean, Holly Robinson, Pete decided to come out and say that, uh, this isn't the first time that, uh, pretty much, you know, Sharon is, is, uh, is, is supporting someone like that. I mean, she, you know, Sharon, again, Sharon was supporting Pierce Morgan, uh, for leaving, uh, uh, good morning Britain, uh, after, uh, Pierce Morgan is, is completely against Meghan Markle and everything. The, the interview with Oprah Winfrey, how she's, uh, pretty much accusing the Royal family of so many things. And it, like Pierce Morgan's just against her, but then Sharon Osbourne supports Pierce Morgan. Then came Holly Robinson saying pretty much I'm not surprised because you know accusing Sharon of being racist and so many other things are like it just opened up a can of worms for Sharon Osbourne um, and now it's got it's, it, it, it got so bad that they decided to suspend uh, any more filming of the talk for a while until things start you know calming down a little bit because as we all know Sharon Osbourne is a part of the talk uh, so that's uh, that's pretty, pretty much where they're at right now with that however it's gotten from it's gone from bad to worse with sharon osborne because see pierce morgan he's across the pond he's got more supporters across the pond than he would over here uh sharon's over here though and things are different here in in the united states and there's more support for megan markle here uh and there's there's more uh especially now that holly robinson came out and said what she said there's even it's even worse it's gotten so bad to the point that she's gotten death threats on social media she's had to hire private security in order to feel safe now the death threats are all over social media there's one that says quote i hope sharon osborne gets hit by one of those uh, one last wave of 
COVID and dies. Uh, F Sharon Osbourne, her husband, her mama, them ugly effing kids, and the fam- the family dog, and the bee that lives next door. Wow, <laughs> she can go die in a fish grease fire. That's how crazy that was. That was very. That was very. That was very. That was very rather eloquent for being. Uh... <laughs> very descriptive. <laughs> Another one goes and says, "Quote Sharon Osbourne talked to color people like she's on a plantation." Quote uh, quote You better not cry, be die, you racist effing lover. Uh, f love uh, f lover. I don't know. That was a weird one. Um, uh, another one says, quote, you didn't utter any offensiveness, rudeness, or dispoliteness in any of your words. Your employer put that episode for you to deal with that timely topic. It's not you, but it's the management of your show because that's the episode they put they they put it for you to work on. And most importantly, you processed it very professionally. At least she got and and then and then somebody responded to that. That was like that was a good thing, but the response was die and go to hell. <laughs> Plain and simple. So at this point, it seems that she's hired private security. There's been uh, paparazzi shots of uh, of guys in you know in regular clothing just mm-hmm. standing outside guard uh, guarding Sharon Osbourne's uh, estate, uh, and of course her her and her family and everything. So yeah, it's it's not too good for her. And I, I mean, honestly, after all these allegations, I don't think she's going to be coming back to the view. To yeah, to the view. I don't. I don't think. I think. Uh, I think she's pretty much done there in my opinion what do you think i'd have to agree with that um you know this all started like you said very innocently you know in her what came off as her supporting a friend Mm -hmm. in some controversial statements he had made you know okay i I can live with that it's not a big deal people are loyal to their friends you know all the time Mm -hmm. but now that more and more is coming out, um, you know, no, it's never, never, ever, ever, ever okay for, you know, people to be sending death threats and all this other crap. Very much true. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous for people to take it to that level. Um, whether she's racist or not is not up to me. I mean, there seem to be plenty of stories of her exhibiting, you know, signs of racism Mm -hmm. but whether she is or not is not a judgment call that i can make and to me people it doesn't matter if she is or isn't she's a tv personality i mean as a as a person as somebody who maybe have to deal with her of course it matters but Mm -hmm. you're not talking about a politician who's creating law you're not talking about somebody with any real influence you're talking about a talking head no different than any other person no different than us sitting on this just a not quite as wide of a reach Mm -hmm. spouting off opinions so but we do have we do have a wide reach though i'm not saying that but I'm not saying that the view on the other hand has a wider reach, a wider reach is <laughs> yeah. my point. Yeah. Um, damn. Don't get so defensive. No, it's not. <laughs> I'm not. So not. I'm not. <laughs> uh, but to me, it's, you know, people getting way too worked up. This is, mm. this is not a person with any real influence. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, yes, they have a platform to talk to lots of people. So do many, 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 many other people sure. taking it to the level level of wishing her kids dead and wishing her dead. And actually, I mean, there's her a big dog difference. and her neighbor dead. Well, and, and there's a big difference between sending, you 
you know, wish you were dead, you're an awful person, and actual death threats. There is a difference. I'm not saying she isn't receiving those as well, Mm -hmm. but from what they have actually published, none of those actually rise to the level of death threats. True, but at the same, like you said, at the same time, we don't know uh, exactly if if they haven't really, like, posted the real death threats. These are just examples of what she's been dealing with. I'm just pointing that out. I mean, there is a difference. I'm sure they have you know more credible you know threats yeah uh so, so much to the much, point that she hired security well, that's what i mean there wouldn't be much need for security if it was just a bunch of you know hope you die you're an awful person type stuff that happens all the time but you know people again never are crazy I don't, care. I don't <laughs> yes people are crazy but i don't i don't care if it's it's even if it was a politician, it's not okay to be sending death threats. True. But again, we're talking about a talking head, a TV personality, mm-hmm. somebody who honestly in 10 years doesn't really matter. You know, in 10 years is a, is an afterthought of, oh, you remember that show? She was on that thing and her husband did was that singer guy. It's not going to last. It doesn't have any real influence. So what the hell's everybody getting so freaked out about? <laughs> Well, I mean, they're bored. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I certainly wouldn't agree with her, you know, behaving that way. Of course not. Who would? What is it? What does it matter in the long run, except yeah. in the interpersonal stuff that she has to deal with on a daily basis? I mean, at this point, it just it, it would seem that, you know, obviously uh, the network is going to take action because of her words, of because course. of everything she said, because of the, the accusations uh, 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 personalities such as Holly Robinson. Pete, I mean, she is very well known, very well loved holly robinson i mean she started holly was a part of the view at one point wasn't she she was that's the reason why 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 the 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 accusations came back because apparently uh she was uh sharon wanted her sharon thought she was too ghetto quote ghetto to be uh you know to be on there and those were those were the words that sharon apparently uh used and uh, that's what holly robinson told said that she accused her of saying those words and that's why she wanted her off the view um so that's you know those those are those are comments you know that pretty much are putting uh, are making Sharon look really bad right now mm-hmm. um but uh but yeah no you're right there's no there's no reason for anybody to go ahead and do death threats to to this person i mean she's already getting a lot of flack she's already probably going to get fired from the view um the network's not going to want that kind of uh, that kind of uh, that kind of backlash or that PR, that negative PR with them. So they're going to have to, you know, uh, make some action. Look, look what happened. Look what happened with uh, Roseanne. Same thing with Roseanne, which we're going to get to a topic similar topic that uh, has something to do with the the show Connors here in a little bit. But uh, you know, bringing up Roseanne here, she went ahead. She was the creator of Roseanne. She was the creator of this entire show, and mm-hmm. they fired her. You know, after the comments that she made on Twitter, uh, the racist comments she made on Twitter. Um, I mean, there's just, you know, <laughs> I'm sorry, but uh, when it's when it's bad, it's bad. You got to get rid of them. Uh, even in you this know. day and age, everything is visible and everything is known. True. You know, you can't keep this crap hidden anymore. You just can't, <clears throat> you know, gone are, the, gone are the days of 
someone, well, I mean, we're coming to the end. I won't say they're gone, but we're coming to the end definitely of the days where somebody could live a 40 year life in a career and be a racist prick and have no one know about it. Or, I mean, those days are just gone. It's, it's going to come out. It's going to come out eventually, you know, and people, you know, they, they better get it together. I mean, everything is fair game. Everything that comes out of your mouth is being recorded almost every moment of every day, Case especially, <laughs> especially if you have any visibility in the entertainment industry or the media. Yep. So, I mean, these people, I just don't understand it. I mean, I really don't. It, um, I, I, I don't get treating people like an asshole and just thinking that's okay. It boggles the mind, but uh, I guess we're just going to have to go ahead and uh, keep an eye on it and see what happens if uh, Sharon gets let go. I'm sure she will, but we'll definitely go ahead and, uh, you know, if if we're not on, uh, you know, go on our social media, you'll see the updates. You know, I always have uh, entertainment uh, news breaking stories on my social media. And uh, and speaking of social media, I forgot, you know, to also mention that the Xander Effect is now on YouTube. For those that don't know yet, we are on YouTube now. All of our episodes, you know, from start to now are on YouTube. So make sure to check us out. Uh, go ahead and uh, take a look at our YouTube channel at uh, the Xander Effect podcast. You'll be able to see this guy's ugly mug. So <laughs> so you'll be able to see him. Um, in other entertainment news, uh, I got to talk about, and I texted you this uh, yesterday, actually, because I stayed up until midnight uh, Wednesday to see Zack Snyder's Justice League. And it was worth it long because it was i was up from midnight until the movie finished four hours later four in the morning i was half asleep but man i got in my opinion and i posted this on my social media in my opinion it was well worth the four hours it went into so much detail of the movie and each character that it made it worth it it made, it made more sense than the other than joss whedon's uh, version and there was a lot of changes and for, folks if you haven't seen it yet spoiler alert here it comes there's a lot of characters that made the the scene for example deathstroke actually makes more of an appearance at the end of the original i'm hit myself with my microphone here that's how excited i am about it at the end of the original uh, and at the end credits of the original justice league for, or josh whedon's i should say the josh whedon uh, version of justice league we see Lex Luthor on a yacht, uh, the contracts, Deathstroke. Uh, but we, but in that version, we see Lex Luthor say, uh, oh, well, uh, seems like our heroes are making a group. Maybe we should make a group of our own, which is, of course, we all know it's the, the Legion. Legion. The, the, is it, it's the Legion of Doom, right? Or the yes. League of Doom or something. The League Legion of Doom. Doom. Legion of Doom. The Legion. Of, I, I, I know, but when you hear that, you're thinking know, of the Road you, Warriors. Yeah, you're thinking <laughs> of the Road Warriors. So that's what comes to mind. L-O-D, baby. L-O-D, baby. Um, and so he pretty much you know uh he pretty much goes into that in this in Zack Snyder's version they go deeper into it they don't talk about creating the Legion of Doom on the other hand Lex Luthor talks about contracting Deathstroke to kill Batman and he tells Deathstroke the the secret identity of Batman Lex Luthor knows who it is and he's like 
it's Bruce Wayne. So he tells him. Now, we would think that the movie would end there. It doesn't end there. It continues into a, a, a distant four feet. hours. Of course it does. Well, actually, it, it continues to about another 15, 20 minutes uh, before it ends. And what it is, is that it's a distant future where Bruce Wayne he sees the premonition in Joss Whedon's version. He sees the premonition where he's wearing the jacket and everything. He has a shotgun and everything. And he's fighting against parademons because the parademons and uh, Darkseid have taken over the earth and Superman is working for Darkseid. Um, in this version, the uh, apparently it seems that Bruce Wayne is having another premonition and he is accompanied by Deathstroke is one of his allies uh, the Flash is older and he has a different suit. Cyborg is there with them and also is uh, Aquaman's uh, girl, wife or whatever. Uh, I forgot her. I can't remember her name. Uh, Eva, Eva, something. Like, I, don't, I don't remember her name, but she's there with them as well, carrying the trident, carrying Aquaman's trident, because apparently in that version of the future, uh, Aquaman is killed by by Darkseid and she's there to go ahead and avenge her, her husband's death. Um the other character hey, hey, hey don't save it that's a whole nother thing well no <laughs> the other, i know right well i said spoiler alert the other character that makes an appearance is the joker and it's played by and he's played by jared leto so that's another really cool uh addition i won't go get into those details as to the interaction between the joker and batman but let's just say it gets deep like deep and dark that interaction between the Joker and the Batman, but it's apparently it would seem that Batman needs the Joker. He needs his craziness to fight a hero, apparently. So I'll, again, it's a much better version of Justice League. Let me tell you, Jeremy, you got to watch it. I know I spoiled a lot of it for you, but there's a lot that I didn't include because we don't have that that kind of time. <laughs> I won't go into detail, but I know that you I know that you have ADD and you can't sit for four hours watching a movie. I would have to tell you and everybody else, take some time to watch it. I mean, obviously, you've seen the the old the Joss Whedon version. Uh, some parts are still in there of the Joss Whedon version, but it's different. The storyline is different. The the direction they went is completely different. And of course, at the end of the credits, Zack Snyder dedicated this movie to his his uh, his daughter, his adopted daughter Auburn, who actually uh, committed suicide during the filming of Justice League. That's the reason why Zack Snyder. We talked about this in the last. Last episode um, that I wasn't sure I was I didn't want you to quote me on this but yes I you know I I went ahead and yes I I confirmed it that yes that's is the reason why Josh Whedon or I'm sorry uh, Zack Snyder left uh, set uh, filming of Justice League was because his daughter had committed suicide during the filming of it which is very tragic for him uh, and uh, and his wife and the rest of the family so he dedicated this version I I, I mean. Probably, I mean, I don't know him personally, but I would imagine that Zack Snyder probably felt that he owed it to her to finish this film. He owed it to her, to the fans, to everybody. Mainly, I believe he owed it to, to his daughter, Auburn, uh, to go ahead and finish this film. So, I mean, it's, it's an amazing film. Again, Jeremy, I would recommend for you to see it. 
Maybe I'll have to give it a try. As I said, uh, four There's hours a- is a little tough. I might have to uh, take an intermission or split it up over a couple of days. But oh, uh, and, 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 and I don't mean to cut you, but as I mentioned before, and you already know this because I mentioned this before, Martian Manhunter does make uh, a cameo, uh, an appearance. I won't tell you who it is, but I will say this. This person, this character has been in all three of these movies. And he was right under everybody's nose and nobody ever saw it. When I found found out who it was, I was like, that's who it was? I'm like, holy crap, I didn't see that. It's That's all I'm going to say. It's a character that's been in all All three. So you won't even expect it. So definitely check out Zack Snyder's Justice League. Worth it. It's on HBO Max right now. I mean, it's, it's just on HBO Max. It's not going anywhere. It's not one of those movies that it gets cut off uh, after 30 days or so. That actually, that that is actually sticking right there. So um, definitely go ahead and watch Zack Snyder's Justice League. In other entertainment news, uh, man, a man dies. Actually, uh, uh, um, a crew member dies on the set of The Connors. The Connors was pretty much wrapping up uh, this season. Uh, the filming of this this season when one of the lighting technicians actually uh died collapsed uh they don't they really they don't really go into details as to what exactly happened to this person uh they do say that he was in his uh 50s or 60s uh but apparently uh they he collapsed and first responders came to aid this this person and uh he was dead on scene he he apparently just died right there on the set um the uh, a rep for Warner Entertainment uh, tells TMZ, quote, with heavy hearts, we regret to confirm that a member of our technical crew suffered a fatal medical event today. He was a much loved member of the Connors and Roseanne families for over 25 years. As we remember our beloved colleague, we ask that you respect the privacy of his family and loved ones as they begin their grieving process. So this is this is a tragic thing that happens Um I, it's very rare, or at least it's not as as publicized. But I've never really heard of of crew members die. I mean, there was always that that uh, urban legend that one of the one of the little people from uh, from um, from the Wizard, Wizard of Oz, Oz. Uh, committed suicide on set. Uh, that was that was not uh, an urban legend. That's it's, been it's, confirmed. It has been confirmed. Okay, so it has been confirmed. So that has so things like this. I, I have I have uh, multiple friends uh, who are little people who have worked in that community, and it's a pretty tight community in the entertainment industry mm-hmm. because they tend to work together. They tend to look out for each other and help each other get jobs and stuff like that. So I've I've gotten a chance to talk to a lot of my friends who are little people, and I've heard a lot of the stories stories uh from the times on wizard of oz and wow. yeah that one has been confirmed uh it, there was one of the little people who had committed suicide on set wow wow that's crazy i mean that's crazy this uh that these types of things happen but this one this one wasn't necessarily a suicide this was actually well, uh, something the, that happened to a person and, and yeah know, it's a medical event yeah and, and i know jeremy we've spoken before something similar happened to you on the set of growing pains when you were when you were filming correct 
Yes, uh, we actually had one of our sound technicians who worked in the booth. Um, he was one of the guys who came in on our filming days and was actually in the booth with the director running sound and doing everything else. And he actually, I believe, had a heart attack on oh, one wow. of our filming days. And we had a delay. Uh, of course, they didn't let us know what was going on on set. Uh, but we came to find out later that he had passed away. Oh man, that's gotta be tough. Um, yeah, Did you it was know tough. him, or yeah, we all knew him pretty well. Um, you know, it's he's one of those guys. We knew his voice better than we knew his face because he was always talking to us yeah. over the over the speakers from the booth. Um, but yeah, we all knew him. We knew his family. <laughs> As I've said, I mean, we were all really close on that set, so it was it was a hard loss, and um, you know, it, it reminds me of John Ritter, you know, mm -hmm. um, when he really took a turn. He was on set that day when he lost consciousness. He was on set that day. Um, on uh, what uh, ten things uh, about dating my teenage daughter, something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. I can't ten remember simple, the ten simple rules. Being yeah, my, my teenage daughter. And, uh, you know, that was a, a huge loss and was very, very tragic. Um, I believe that was Katie Seagal who was on that with and him. And Katie Coco. She was also mm -hmm. in that, too. That was pretty much her and, starting role before right. Big Bang Theory. And, uh, you know, Katie has talked about it many times as, as just it was incredibly traumatic. It was it was a, oh, yeah. a loss um, that just left them very empty. And, 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 and I can tell you as well, totally different scenario, mm -hmm. but like my friend um rebecca schaefer uh rebecca was an actress who was on my sister sam i remember you told me with pam dauber mm -hmm. and they filmed next door to us and we all finished filming on a on a friday and we all went home and we came back on monday and we're told that she'd been murdered yep i remember you know and that was tragic Huge. um and on another level, we had a office worker who was one of the um, assistants to our writers who worked in the office, who was the unfortunate um, victim of a domestic assault where she was burned alive. Oh, my God. Um, you know, these crazy things happen. And again, these things happen in life. It's not just an entertainment industry thing. I mean... The guy we're talking about today passed away of a heart attack. You know, it's 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 normal. It happens. Well, we yeah. don't know. We don't know if he passed away of a heart attack. We just right, right. collapsed. We we have no idea yet because right. Sorry. Uh, nothing's been confirmed yet uh, but, as far as his uh, medical condition or anything. You know, those kinds of things do happen, and, and these tragedies happen every day in life. Mm -hmm. And when you're working on a set, you become a family most of the time. I, I've you know heard of sets that don't, but when you're together for a long period of time, Seasons. you know that that set tends to become a family, and you know everybody. So when this kind of thing happens, it's it's felt very deeply. I could imagine. I could imagine. I mean, going back to uh, going back to John Ritter, I remember uh, watching the episode probably like a couple of weeks after uh, he had passed because as the old saying goes, the show must go on. Mm -hmm. And uh, that episode, you can tell uh, Kaylee Cuoco, uh, Katie Seagal, all, all the entire the entire actors, all the actors were really showing emotion. That was their mm -hmm. real emotion, crying, talking about him. It was I would say that it was therapeutic, but at the same time, it was also very like heart heart wrenching to 
you have to keep going even though this person that mm-hmm. was our father played our father played the husband played everything and such a legend in the television industry i mean i was a huge john river fan in three's company i thought he was just great as jack tripper uh it was just a funny, like, he's just a great character, a great actor. I've seen him do uh, different uh, roles as well. I've seen him on Felicity. I've seen him in It. You know, he was in It, uh, the original It. So, I mean, he's been, he's just done so many different roles throughout his life. And you would have never imagined that he would go that quickly so well, young. Again, he, uh, you know, he died of the exact same thing that Alan died of. You know that it was that uh, dissected aorta, aortic valve, or whatever mm. aortic dissection. And um, you know, as we've talked about before, unless you're lucky enough to have it happen while you're lying on an operating table, chances are pretty, quick. you know, pretty good that you're going to go quick. And um, I can't imagine the amount of <laughs> bless you. Thank you. I can't imagine the amount of strength that it must have taken that cast um, to get through that episode and even that week of filming. Uh, I know how hard it was on us when we lost Alan and that was 30 years almost after we had started filming. Yeah. I, I, I can't tell you what that would have been like to, to lose him on set while we were filming. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know how we would have been able to continue. I really don't. That's that's something that again, you know, it's uh, it's tragic to lose anybody. I mean, in this case, it was a crew member, but still a member. It's a family of, member. It's a family member. It's still somebody that uh, that uh, was a part of the show. They definitely were part of the show. So I mean, it's it's tough, but uh, you know, I mean, it, it, the other the other thing about this is that we, you know, you look at it in the sense that. Um, that basically they 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 wrapped filming at this point so they were pretty much they were pretty much done but still it still it still has to has to hurt a bit you know having a a crew member uh die like that so you know condolences go to uh to that uh that uh, crew member and their family during this uh very difficult time and uh hopefully they get through it uh through it uh through it as as gracefully as or as best they can you know as best they can when you lose somebody like that so um you know that's that's that for that um it's it's tough man it's tough i can't tell you how tough that is i mean i i know about loss i know about so i mean i i can't i wouldn't even know what to do like if a family member or or a fellow uh, you know, actor or something like that were to were to pass away on me like that. That would just that would just totally screw me up. I'm already screwed up as it is. <laughs> I was gonna say it wouldn't be a long drive there for you. No, not really. No, no, no. That would just you know. <laughs> and that would just I'm already on on edge as it is. You know. I mean. I mean. But then again, you know, it takes a person like you to go ahead and push me off the edge sometimes too. So. Yeah, but you know, I might I might catch you. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Or just. Or just there he goes. There he goes. There I might just wave on the way down. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I hate you. I really hate you. In the, in the words of Dr. Cox, in my favorite man jumping off a cliff. No.
I was waiting for that. <laughs> I really hate you. Coming up next, uh, we have a wonderful guest here, uh, Allie Levine. She's a, she's a uh, celebrity stylist. Um, her and her husband were on, in, uh, in, on the show Stripped, on Bravo Stripped. And she's also a successful podcaster. We'll talk a little bit with her about how she got her start in everything she's doing and what she's got coming up in the near future. But first, here is Tim McGraw's I Like It, right here on The Xander Effect.
What's up, you guys? This is Roxanne Luciano, and you are listening to The Xander Effect.
Hey guys, this is Ian Gary. Hey, this is Annalise Hoveda. Hey yo, this is Nightmare from Dirty Machine. Hi, this is Cambry Lovesey. Hey, this is Dovely. And you're listening. And you're listening. And you're listening. And you're listening. And you're listening to the Xander Effects. You stay up on my mind The reason that my heart beats If you leave off that line You got such a connection Just let the stars align Baby, make a wish and close your eyes
That was Amanda Holly's Get It Boy right here on the Xander Effect. And joining us right now on the Xander Effect is the lovely Ali Levine. Uh, she is a celebrity stylist. Uh, she's a podcaster, a successful podcaster at that. A mom, a mompreneur is from what I've uh, of what I've been told and I understand and I know. Um, Ali, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Good, good. You know, just enjoying, uh, you know, it's starting to become better days here in California, in Southern California. Uh, the weather's starting to get a little bit better. So, you know, hanging in there, hanging yes, out there, whatever. Fresh, fresh air. It's, it's nice out, right? It feels, it feels good. Yeah. It's, uh, and it's, and it's Friday. So it's like, yay, it's the weekend. It's Friday. <laughs> so, I mean, we're having fun with that. And I mean, this weather must be a little bit different from you because for you, because you're, you're not originally from California. You're from the East coast. You're from New York, right? I'm originally from New York. I moved out here. It feels like, I mean, so long ago, it's like over a decade ago now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like it's funny. I feel like now my husband and I joke like we're now like thin blooded because we'll go back to the East Coast and we're like, ooh, it's cold, isn't it? Or like when it's cold in California, mm-hmm. like we've been having like colder evenings and mm-hmm. like, you know, and it's like, ooh, it's, 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 it's like chilly. Like you feel it. And I'm like, wow, I would have never said that years ago when I was in New York. <laughs> I used to be out in like, you know, negative two degree weather and was like, oh, this is cold. So yeah, it's uh, <laughs> definitely a bit of an adjustment. And I feel like my body has now adjusted so much so that it's like terrible when I go back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jeremy yeah. knows a little bit about that. I, I do. My my stepfather is from Wales, and oh, when okay. he came over here, he would be walking around in shorts and a t-shirt in the weather we've been having lately, which is like 40 degree weather. Wow. It didn't even affect him. Now, yeah. I mean, within a couple of years, his blood had thinned. And yeah, he, it happens so fast. It, it does happen. He's a California guy now. He needs a coat when he goes out. And, <laughs> yeah, and then, and then us, us California boys, you know, we get crap for it from East Coasters saying, this isn't cold, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, dude, we were born and raised in tropical weather. We're not used to it being in <laughs> yeah, colder Yeah, you're, you're than used it to is. the sun. Yeah. So when the sun disappears, you're sad. I get it. Exactly. And like East Coast, we're definitely used to like cold. And if it's the sun's not out, it's like, oh, okay, it's just another day. But when the sun comes out, you're like, oh my gosh. But in California, it's like you're used to the sun. And then like exactly. when, it goes, when it goes away, you're like, oh, it's it's really, not, it's not nice right now. <laughs> it's all dun, 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 you know, <laughs> like some craziness like that. I got to say though, there's totally. something special about New York when it rains. There is. Yes, There's something yes. very special Rains about and you. snows, I agree. Oh, yeah, sure. I, I was very lucky last time I was in New York uh, before the pandemic. It snowed in between me going to bed. You know, oh, went wow. to sleep, you know, no snow. And I was staying right across from Central Park. So I woke up to Central Park just covered in pristine, untouched snow. And it was one of the most beautiful sights I've gotten to see. Wow, that's amazing. How cool. But it I was could, pretty awesome. I can guarantee that Jeremy doesn't want to hear anything about snow for a long while. He recently got <laughs> he actually he actually recently got stuck in Louisiana during that storm that snow uh, storm that was going around that time this yeah. year. He was he was actually he was actually sending me <laughs> sending me pictures and videos of what the snow was like and it was almost like a cry for help. I felt sorry for Jeremy. I was like, it's okay. Oh. <laughs> he couldn't get a yeah, it was just very surreal being in the south and experiencing weather I've never seen anywhere outside of, you know, the northeast. I'm so sure. <laughs> 
That's yeah. that, that that was nuts. But but I mean, Ali, you 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 come from the East Coast. You started uh, your career out there, right? You started what yeah. working at Target, correct? Yeah. So super like backdating me now. <laughs> um, so yeah, when I first was in college, um, I finished uh, my degree and I got um, an executive position with Target and I opened one of their flagship stores in New York. And um, I basically was in charge of, you know, executive of soft lines. So everything in clothing, accessories and in that, you know, entire realm, you name it, I was in charge of, I think it was like 12 or 13 departments. Um, and I helped also open the actual store, which then I also was part of like the actual process of the entire logistics, you know, management, hard lines, planograms, like everything to do with the store. That was my first like real job in the world. Um, And I had interned for them the summer before. And so then I had been offered an opportunity to work for them. And then after doing that um, for about almost two, two and a half years, I realized I like love Target, Target as I call it. But I, wasn't, <laughs> <laughs> but I wasn't feeling the like retail situation. I was like, you know, 21, 22 years old. I, I was, you know, I was a lot younger and I wanted to party and have fun and like enjoy my 20s. And they wanted me to work like 80, 90 hour weeks. And I was, but I was like exhausted because I was working those hours and then trying to have fun. And it was, it was a lot. So I started looking into like, what are other things I could do? I always wanted to get into design. So I asked Target about that and they were like, yeah, we can send you to Minnesota. Speaking of cold. <laughs> Minnesota. Ah, yeah. Minnesota. Exactly. They were like, we need design help there. Like you could get in a position there. That would be great. And I was like, oh, uh, <laughs> it's really cold there. <laughs> <laughs> Colder and than here. Like, <laughs> right. And I mean, I'm in New York, obviously at the time. And they were like, well, why don't you go out there and see? So I flew out, long story short, I like did a meeting, I met them and everything. I loved it, like I love the Target corporate office, but Minnesota between the cold, how small it was, like it just wasn't for me, especially coming from New York. So I was just like, okay, no. So then I started, I left Target, I started applying for um, other jobs in the city, you know, New York, and I started looking for a design job. So I landed my first job with a company called Fragments, which was a private label jewelry company. And I did design and production with them and was an assistant to all the projects they had going on. And then fast forward with Coach and Lacoste and Talbots and all these different places. And then the stock market crashed. yeah, that was wild. That was a wonderful time for everybody. Everybody. It was wild. Like, wild. I just remember, like, finally feeling like I found, like, my niche and, like, myself in some way, shape, or form. And, and everything was just, like, gone in a day. And it was like, you know, oh, get on get on employment like, because, like, you're moving home with your parents. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it was just, like, it was so intense. And me being someone who's always loved to work, it was really devastating for me to, like, you know, I know for so many other too but for me I just remember personally it was like oh my gosh like what am I gonna do like I love working this is like a huge part of my purpose like how am I gonna like you know start over so that was kind of what led me into the world we're in you know now with entertainment industry I you know had been laid off and I was looking for other design jobs and they really weren't existing and I was doing like little like you know odd jobs in design here and there wherever I could just to make money and get experience but nothing was sticking where I could get like hired for a full-time position <laughs> so I started asking around um styling wasn't really a thing the term wasn't coined Rachel Zoe wasn't known yet like it was really very much still like new uh dating myself <laughs> and <laughs> I realized I was saying that out loud um and so it was like, okay. No one, like, no 
No, don't, 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 don't worry. We'll ignore that part. <laughs> we'll go ahead and get past that. Thank you. Perfect. Perfect. Edit that out. Um, But it was like, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know like where to go from there. And I started asking around. Luckily, I had some different friends and family that were in the entertainment business. And I was like, hey, can you get me an interview or an introduction or something where I can just start to like see if this is something I want to explore. And they were like, yeah, we can introduce you some people. And so I had a couple different interviews and was introduced. And my big interview that I um, sat down with was Oliver Stone's team and meeting Oliver Stone wow. and his, yeah, his whole team of like, you know, producers and supervisors. And I sat down with them and I remember sitting down, I was like so nervous to sit with them and I'm at a, you know, coffee shop, you know, Starbucks in New York City on 33rd. And I was sitting with them and they're like, okay, look, um, this is nothing to do with fashion or costume or anything that's on your resume. This is literally like donuts, <laughs> coffee, <laughs> breaking down scripts, like getting them cut for us and getting all that done. And like, that's it. Like it literally is just simple. Go for stuff. Yeah. You know, and they spelled it out. I mean, they were like, we literally need someone to be our bitch like we need someone <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> i know right and and here i am sitting there and i'm like okay i just came from like the design world and like i love every single thing i'm creating handbag wise accessories jewelry and like oh i'm gonna do donuts and coffee and you know it was like whoa you know um and and you know for like really small pay as a production assistant and like we a all rude know, awakening very <laughs> a very rude awakening yeah. And I was like, okay, but I had no other options. Like mm-hmm. there were no other jobs. I didn't want to sit on unemployment. I'm just not that person. I, I, I love to work. I love to continue to figure out ways to, you know, create money and opportunities for myself. And so I was just like, no, I, I need something like this is in front of me. I, I got to go for it. So I said, yes. And that was my first movie and my real like start into the industry. You know, I was there assistant production assistant running around PA doing all the things that they needed um and I remember one time it was like a 4 a.m 4 30 a.m run you know right when Starbucks opens and you know well back in the day in New York City and it was like hey we need like this many coffees we're doing an early emergency meeting to go over something and go get this and go get that and I'm you know like half asleep rolling out of bed you know at like 3 30 a.m trying to get myself together to get there to get to Starbucks and I remember I got to the set and I brought them their coffees and one of the coffees was wrong um and I remember like to this day it's like ingrained in me because I remember them like looking at me like like something like had really bad habit and I'm just kind of sitting there like uh what did I do like (laughs) I don't understand and they're like oh this one has whip you know with cream Mm -hmm. and I'm like oh okay and they're like well we didn't ask for that and I'm like Oh, you know, it was like, they're like, okay, you have to go back and exchange it. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I look at them like, you know, are you going to give me money to like go and, you know, exchange it? And they were like, oh, no, no, this is your mistake. We get to go figure it out. And I was like, oh. Wow. Okay, <laughs> right? then. I'm I know. Getting pe- I'm getting paid peanuts. And on top of that, you need me to. I'm getting nervous. I'm twirling my hair. I steal from that day. <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's funny you say that because, I mean, you see it on television shows. You see them joke about, you know, the behind the scenes of, of a production. They're like, um, this isn't what I ordered. 
go take it back. I don't care. And blah, blah, blah. You're actually describing that that actually does happen. That's real. Oh, that yeah. really does happen. And it Jeremy, does. Jeremy's shaking his head right now. Oh, so, yeah. Because he was on the, he was on the, he was on the, he was on the show Growing Pains, as you may know. He played yeah, uh, yeah, Little Ben Seeder on Growing Pains. Yeah. So he was very demanding as well. You know, he didn't like fruit. Get, out of, get <laughs> out of here. I didn't turn into a diva till later. I was, you oh, know, what, right. eight on the show. You didn't turn into a diva until you got on the Xander effects. So, yeah, that's, that's when you turn into a diva. <laughs> it's just with you. But yeah. no, it, it it does it does happen. I mean, we had a more um I was very blessed. We had a great set. We didn't have a lot of people who treated the PAs and the assistants like dirt. You know, they yeah, yeah. they didn't they you know, our people treated people really, really nicely. Yeah. So I didn't see a lot of it on our show, but I did hear a lot of the stories and you would see it in other shows, oh, other sure. sets I went to, friends yeah. shows that I would visit. So uh yeah, you I, I know you went through <laughs> you earned your bones, that's for sure. Yeah. Well and it's funny, you know, like they really weren't like I definitely also experienced that in a lot of other projects, especially styling projects, because um, that's a whole other world. But it was funny. It was more for, for them, you know, after I came back and exchanged it. So I went to the Starbucks. I literally like cried to like the front desk. Like, oh, you know, this is wrong. And I needed it. And they were like, okay. Okay, okay, it's okay. Like you don't have to pay for it. Like we'll we'll handle it for you. So they, you know, they didn't charge me and they fixed it. And I had a whole sob story for them. But I remember when I came back and I gave it to them and they, you know, said like, no, thank you. And it's not later on that day. You know, they explained to me it was about accountability and it was about, you know, the fact that I owned it and I went and handled it and I didn't like call them and try to, you know, oh, how do we, how can you help me? How can you fix this? Oh, you hurt my feelings. I just very much like stepped into it and were like, no, this is my job. This is what I have to do. And like, I mean, they didn't see me, of course, crying at the Starbucks, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> never let them see you cry. Right. Never. never. But it was like, you know, it was a good lesson for me. And as much as like, I definitely have also dealt with like the super nasty also on set with that experience. It was more just kind of like holding me accountable, having me learn to be able to like, cause I, I mean, I took that with me through my entire career and then some, you know what I mean? Like you just remember, like pay attention to detail. If you mess up, even if it's not necessarily your mistake, like you own it because it's still like your responsibility in that position and don't pass it off on you know someone else and blame someone else you know it's like it's yours to own and then you move forward you know and i noticed i was respected more for that and i think that because i like really stepped into the role even though it was just coffee and donuts like Oliver Stone, his team really respected me as a PA. And, you know, they asked me as I went along in my, you know, position with them, like, what do you want to be doing? Because we know we don't want to be doing this. And I was like, well, I studied fashion and I wanted to explore costume. And so after quite a few months of working just as a PA for them, they offered me to move over to the costume department. And that was how I really got my start in costume was I started working for Ellen Mirajnik and her team and, you know, running around for them. I was still a PA. I was still doing everybody's bitch work, but I got to do it in the costume department and run around and do returns and, you know, you're in your foot in the, you got your foot in the door at this point now. So, so, so so now, so now, uh, so now, it's Allie that doesn't want cream in her coffee. (laughs) I wish. Now it's Allie Levine saying, um, hello. Not, not, no cream, no cream, no cream. I'm actually not a coffee drinker. I'd much prefer tea. Okay, okay, fine, fine. No, no, no cream in the tea. How about that? God, you're already picky. I mean, this is what I'm talking about. Sorry. 
<laughs> so, so, yeah, so, so you got your foot in the door. So you really got your foot in the door. You know, I mean, at just that one little experience, yeah. uh, that one little lesson showed them that she can handle herself here and she can be part a team player. Yeah, and I think, you know, I, I worked really hard for all of them and I met mentors on, you know, that set who I still like, yeah, I'm friends with to this day and talk to and, and, and you know, look to for advice. And I think I really like, not only was humble, of course, but I just really wanted to learn. And I really like, you know, tapped into that and asked questions about while still getting my work done and showed up at the, being the first one there in the morning, like no matter what, and was the last one to leave always. And that was hard because there were days where it was literally like five in the morning morning to like 11 o'clock at night like there were late <laughs> late days and night but I mean, we all know this but a lot of people don't realize that and I think because I put in the time I put in you know the energy the work ethic all of those things you know I did get respect and it did give me my start I mean even when uh the movie was um you know wrapping and we were working on like um I was helping them work on the credits and get everything together for the movie and I turned to Oliver Stone and his team and I said I would like my own credit <laughs> and I remember them looking at me like I was a little crazy <laughs> you have balls to go ahead and ask for that. Wow. I had worked for almost seven months really hard. And you I had felt like you balls know. for that one, let me tell you. <laughs> to go ahead and ask for to even ask. That wasn't a demand. That was a, a request to even request that. Just asking. Look, I was taught by my dad, like, you always ask because otherwise, you never know. Like, you can't expect someone's going to give you a raise. You can't expect someone's going to hand you an opportunity. Like, you you True. have to be willing to ask and put yourself out there. And it's very vulnerable. So I always, like, took that with me, too. And so I asked. I said, like, I'm curious, what does it take to receive a credit on this movie? Because I would love to ever receive a credit because this was my first big project and I really want to have that, you know, on my resume. And I remember their faces <laughs> when I said it. But they asked me a few weeks later before we wrapped, they pulled me into the office and they said, we will give you a credit. How would you like your name to be? And I got my first credit on I Wow. Street Money Never Sleeps. Yeah. That's awesome. Wow. Oh, so that was the show. That was the movie that you were in that one. That was, actually, that was a yeah. pretty good movie, too. Oh, it was so good. We yeah. I mean, I with, uh, Justin and I went to the theater, you know, when we were, you know, we were dating and we just moved to L.A. We went and saw it and it was like it took a picture of me and standing by the screen. It was <laughs> it was a whole big deal, you know, to have my first um, credit, you know, on, a, you know, a major movie. And it really like set the tone for me to get my first, you know, step into the industry and then network and connect. And then, you know, before I knew it, I was working on, you know, as a PA for 30 Rock and jumping around, you know, on like other movies in New York. And then I went out to Atlanta to work on Big Mama's House. And that's really what changed it all for me because the team was from Los Angeles and they asked me what I was doing in New York. And so long story short, I basically said, well, I'm figuring out what this costume world is about. I'm trying to figure out the fashion side of this and what I want to do. And they were like, well, you want more of the styling world and that's in LA. And I had only known like Rachel Zoe was now starting to come about. I knew a little bit about the styling, but I still didn't really know. And they were, you know, willing to mentor me and said, hey, we'll help you get your start. So that's weird though. That's weird though. And I, I don't mean to cut you here, but I thought New York was the fashion capital of the world, not LA. 
It's funny, everyone says this. So I agree with you 100%, but I think New York is more of the editorial and the kind of corporate-esque, more in a box lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Because if you notice, like even obviously pre-pandemic, there weren't as many red carpets in New York ever. There weren't, I mean, like maybe for huge projects, like a huge screening, but overall, like the everyday, like ever trending, constantly changing lifestyle is has been Los Angeles. Like the red carpets mm. are here because of Hollywood. So you see, you know, more projects pop up in that sense. Um, you know, movies almost were out of New York actually by the time I was working in Atlanta. It was really starting to shift between, you know, taxes and everything that had changed. It was really starting to shift and there weren't as many projects. So it was going more to Atlanta and other states and then California. So it, and it was a different time, obviously, like almost what, 12 plus years ago now. But, um, you know, I mean, it was, it, it's funny you say that because a lot of people say that and I agree, like New York is definitely the capital and I think with design and production and all the things I was doing, you know, in those elements was very much like New York. But I do think that the red carpet and some of the other like more trending is Los Angeles. Um, so yeah, and it was uh, honestly, I didn't even realize that until I moved out here and then, you know, experienced it myself and saw how also too, like there's always an event, obviously, pre-pandemic always an event in LA like there was always something <laughs> happening even if it was like the smallest little whatever red carpet like everyone's getting ready everyone's getting themselves together they need someone this this that so it was just a lot more opportunity um, than what New York really was presenting and there weren't as many movies happening and I had worked on a few TV shows and everything but when I went to Atlanta with Big Mama's house like that's when I started really meeting all these people from LA that were on the show and they all were like you should try out Los Angeles so that's how I wound up here. They gave me my first opportunity to come out to LA to work with them and basically dedicate like a year, year and a half of my life working for them on their projects in order to get myself established and set up. And that that's kind of you know long story how I got here. <laughs> well, and, and and were you were you uh, you said you were dating your then boyfriend now husband. Yes. So, and he, and he came with you, he, he completely like supported you, the move and everything. And he followed you or did he, have, wow. Yeah, he was, yeah. He's a, he's a keeper. He followed me. Uh, he, <laughs> I'll say so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he followed me, you know, he was working, we met, you know, uh, you know, in New York, actually at my apartment in Hoboken, New Jersey, right outside of the city. And we met through a mutual friend and we had started dating. And then I went to Atlanta to work on my project. So he was visiting me. He had come out to Atlanta a few times to stay with me and see me. And then I told him that they had offered me to go to LA and I wanted to take the opportunity to go. And he was working a bunch of different jobs in New York and wasn't a hundred percent happy with what he was doing, but he was just, you know, making money and working. Was he in the and industry too? Is he in the industry as well? Now he is. He was mm. not. When we met, he was not. He was doing more um, like sales and marketing and that kind of thing. And then just different, you know, different jobs, different all over the place. Um, he's actually a really good golfer. He's he's like better than scratch. Um, and wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. When, when we first started dating, I walked the um, the Publix in New York with him when he won one of the championships. Yeah. So um, that was my, that was my dedication to him. I wow. walked the entire thing in my heels. It's a bold statement. Way. In your heels. That's <laughs> that's love. Wow. Um, so I guess I warranted him following me. No kidding. Um, and, so, <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so I told him, I was like, I want to go to L.A. 
and he he had never been to California before. I have some family out here, I have some friends, so I had been out a few times, you know, over the years. Um, but he had never been, and he was like, "Okay, I'll go with you." And I remember his mom's phone called me. She was like, "Well, my only son is moving across the country." <laughs> and I was like, "Sorry," you know. She's like, "Well, I'm happy for him. You know, he loves you and he wants to start a life with you, but you know, he's never been there." And I was like, "Yeah, I know." You know, so it was um, kind of wild. But hey, here we are, over a decade later, with two you know little girls and have figured life out. And um, it's it's wild because when we first came out here, we said, "Oh, we'll do a year or two just to kind of experience it and get my you know feet in the door and get these opportunities." And you know, now now here we are. I would have never thought. Um, So it's it's interesting. But yeah, no, and that's you know over time, obviously working for them, and then once again, once I started really getting into the styling in LA, I realized because I'd done more movies, all these stylists like weren't willing to hire me as assistants because it wasn't the same like field, even though I still had some of the same skills. And they were like, well, no, we need styling work on your resume. So I had to start all over again. And I had to start interning for people and assisting and just doing all these odd jobs just to get experience while kind of working on the costume stuff to like make money and be in the union because I'd gotten in the union at that point. And I remember when my husband was gonna, we were just getting engaged, I think at this point he wanted to kill me because I turned to him and I said, The costume's not fulfilling me. And he's like, what? You know? <laughs> like, oh, hell. <laughs> it's like, oh, man. Here we go again with this. And <laughs> and right, exactly. And it's like, I just moved here. You know, I was like, well, I want to do the styling. But again, like, I didn't have the experience. So I started, you know, um, reaching out to all these different people and asking to get internships and just to work for free just to get experience. So I continued doing some of the costume just to make money and be on set. But then on the weekends, I was doing the assistant work. And then eventually I had to make the choice to kind of take a leap of faith and step away from doing costume because I was getting asked to do a lot of assistant work and interning in the styling world. And they needed me like all day, all night on every project. And I couldn't be, you know, on another, you know, another set. So I had to take a leap of faith and I started interning. And then, you know, I was lucky that I did well with interning quickly. And I moved up into an assistant and started getting paid by different stylists. But it was a hard shift because it was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go from, I finally got in the union and I got all this, you know, opportunity and costume. And now I'm going to start over and move over into styling. But that was really how, um, for me, how I started getting my start. And I started men- being mentored by different stylists. And um, I worked like B. Ackerland and Luke Story and Renna Lupadora from Kanye West Throne Tour and Emma Stone Styles and all these like amazing people, you know, Monica Rose when she was Kardashian stylist and all these people who, you know, were huge in the game, but you know, I didn't get paid, but I got to work for them to get experience and get to put their name on my resume that I got experience from them. And then eventually after doing so much assistant work, then I started getting asked to style, you know, the D-listers of Hollywood and saying like, hey, you know, I don't have a budget, but do you want to style them and get them ready and it was like oh my gosh my my own client you know and so that was when I really started working on people and then as we know in Hollywood you know different projects can change and people can get big projects and all of a sudden people I was working with were getting you know big projects and getting opportunities that they didn't expect to get and all of a sudden I'm now the stylist associated to them and you know a few big people and opportunities and um, my first you know big opportunity was in New York Times Um, I was um, featured on page six uh, for, you know, business and fashion. And I would say like that really helped move the trajectory of my, you know, career. And before I knew it, Alley Levine Design was born and 
I was styling full time and I was getting my own clients. <laughs> and that and that column was that the column that uh, that gave you the moniker the It Girl now. That was Naluda Magazine. They they did that shortly after New York Times, which was also a huge moment for me because to be called the It Girl in Los Angeles, the styling was, world. Yeah, it was it was a big deal. Yeah. Wow, wow, that's incredible. So I mean, basically. You went from Target to L.A. That's a <laughs> hell of a move. Target to L.A. Yeah. To L.A. There you go. That could be that. Hey, that could be your new that your new uh, your new saying right there. From I need a little like a little like the housewives like tagline. Target to L.A. Exactly. There you go. You can start your own reality show. And speaking <laughs> of realities, I mean reality uh, shows. You were on Bravo's uh, Stripped. How did that happen? Like you, it was it was you and your husband because you just said your husband wasn't in this industry i mean is that was that his first real like you pulling him into the industry was going on bravo stripped well as far as his own like persona and himself being on camera yes um he ended up getting into the production uh accounting uh industry after i worked on um back when i was doing costume and shopping mm-hmm. i worked on um the happily divorced with Fran Drescher's team. And when I was working on that, they were looking for an assistant to help them. And Justin was just doing odd jobs in LA when we had first moved out just to like make money and figure it out. And so I threw his resume in the ring and I said, Hey, he, my boyfriend needs a job, you know? And uh, they were like, okay, great. You know, and they met him and they loved him. And, and so it was wild because he didn't have any of that experience, but he worked hard and learned and was trained. And then he went on location and we were apart for like six months while he was in New Mexico working on another show and started getting a lot of his own opportunities and then came back to LA and now he's a head director of his of his uh, company in production accounting wow wow that's crazy so 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 how did uh, how did this whole thing happen with uh, Bravo stripped how did you get involved in that Oh, honestly, I get like nervous talking about it. it was wild. <laughs> um, it's, it's it's like it was such a wild opportunity. Um, so obviously, but for those that like know me or whatever, don't know me, I, you know, been styling for a long time. And because I was around the Bravo and E family, I had been up for other opportunities um, in more of the fashion side of, you know, the reality world. And, you know, sadly, they didn't get greenlit, uh, but Strip did. <laughs> um, and when uh, it got greenlit, they reached out to me and they said, oh, you know, we're doing this show. And one of my friends was helping um, cast and produce it. And she was like, we think you'd be a great fit. And I was like, this is nothing to do with fashion. And they were like, yeah, but it's like, you know, everything is taken away from you. And, you know, you're a celebrity stylist and you're always in the public eye and you have so much fashion around you. Like, it'd be really fun to have everything taken away from you and like watch you lose your shit. This is what I was told. <laughs> Oh, God bless the reality world. Right? I, I mean, when you said that, the thing that came to mind was, okay, round three of uh, going through this crap again. I was just like, uh, Starting from the bottom again, round three. Let's go. Pretty much, right? I know. I'm like, oh, my goodness. This, only this time it's being filmed while you're doing, going through Right there. That. Right in the open. Just there it is. It was like... And so, and by the way, like they didn't tell us to like after a little bit that we were going to be naked. It was very much like everything's going to be taken away from you and you're going to be vulnerable and figure out what that means. But like, it wasn't until like later that it was like, oh, we're testing the idea of maybe having you wear like, you know, um, like flesh colored clothing to make it look like you're naked or like, oh, maybe we'll have you just do underwear. Like it was like this back and forth. Like I'm getting nervous. No, uh, you gotta, Uh-oh. you gotta. You gotta hate this. You gotta love the Zoom for this. 
Allie, I think we lost her there for a second. Right when we get into the good stuff. But it was like, this is definitely, (laughs) this is, and this is unfortunately something that's going to be (laughs) the challenges of Zoom. There we go. There we go. You're back. (laughs) Sorry about that. (laughs) We got you back. So, so you were being nervous. So you got nervous. What happened? So, um, well, that was fun phone calls to my family, my husband's family. Hey, we're going to be on the show. We're going to be naked. Um, they thought it was a joke. They were like, haha, this is April Fool's, but not in April. And we're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> not in April. <laughs> <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah. So basically, you know, well, first off, they approached me and they wanted to just have me. And then they came over for casting and they met my husband, Justin. Everybody loves Justin because Justin just doesn't give a shit. Like he's like zero fucks given. Like he's just, he is who he is. You like him or you don't. He he is just who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they loved his sarcasm. Classic New Yorker. Right? Exactly. <laughs> Completely. Um, and so, you know, they loved that he was like that. They like literally said to to the team, they were like, he's like anti-Bravo, which is hilarious, like because we're <laughs> on this show. Um, and so they were like, you guys should do it together. And I was like, I don't even know if I want to do this. And, you know, Justin was like, I think it'd actually be good for you. Like, you know, you are so heavily inundated in your fashion and your styling and you're not really in touch with the real world. And so he was like, it'd be good for you to do this. And I I was like, oh, gee, thanks, babe, you know? And so that was kind of how it happened. You know, he said he was going to do it with me and sign the paperwork and, you know, hey, we're going to do this show. And when we first, you know, did it, to be honest, it was like, even during filming, I kept asking like, oh, when can I get like my, like makeup back? When can I get myself together? And they were like, no, like this is like, you, this, you're not getting it back. Like, this You'll see it after when you ask for it back. Like, this is 21 days having everything taken away from you. And like, what do you learn? What do you experience? Like, this is not like a housewife show. This is not like the rules that you style. Like this is a full blown like reality documentary. Like you're not getting shit back. You know, and it was like a major reality check for me no pun intended but I was just like we but I'm on these sets all the time like dressing people like even when something happens like they get to cut and do this and they're like no like this is there is no cutting this is there is is your life like you're gonna live this and experience it and then you know go from there and it was like did it it give you like grade school flashbacks uh you will receive (laughs) it at the end of the semester okay (laughs) exactly I was like back into the end of the semester (laughs) like what just happened what what did I just sign up for like I mean (laughs) what did I do Oh no, we're losing her again. I remember getting I remember getting my like exactly what did I do? Like I'm like, can I call my publicist? And they were like, no. And I'm like, can you call my publicist? <laughs> <laughs> like, you, don't, you don't have a phone. Like, do you not understand your phone's gonna get away? Like you don't have a phone. I'm like, can I don't I, care can, you your phone. It's, it's like can I carry your pigeon or something? Can I do smokes or something? What the hell? You <laughs> send smoke signals, anything? <laughs> oh wow. That must yeah. have been crazy. And when it, when they when they actually started filming, how was that like? It was really intense, to be honest. Um, it was hard. I, you know, I had a lot of breakdowns in the beginning because, well, first off, like you know, being naked in period is obviously not comfortable. So you but, so the, so so they actually it was you were actually naked then. Yeah, I mean, wow. of course, blurred for national television. Yeah, but like yeah, the producers. I mean, they're filming you, so you're you're naked. And you I got mean, a bunch of people like cruise everybody looking at you while you're naked yeah 
And I mean, wow. of course, they were super, like, they were phenomenal. Like, they kept looking away. Like, they were trying to keep us comfortable. Like, they were uncomfortable. Like, they were filming people naked. You know what I mean? <laughs> but at the same time, they have to do their job and, like, make sure everything lines up and pay attention and all that. You know, so it was. It was very uncomfortable. Um, I remember, like, you know, day zero, which was obviously the first day. And they called it day zero because you weren't allowed to get anything back that day. You had to, like, sleep on the floor with, like, you know, literally nothing. We slept on our hardwood floor. It was awful you get three you get three things to start the show they give you like you so when you strip down take everything off put everything in the box they give you and then they give you a box in return and the box has toilet paper rations like the mre's military yuck uh, food uh no offense and then um water and that's it that's what you start with and then every day you get asked you get asked what would you like back and you pick one item each day to get back so the first night we're sleeping on this harbor floor and we're cold and, and sticky at the same time and it's uncomfortable and we're trying to like lay on top of each other and lay on the floor i mean it was it was awful sounds um, like a video game <laughs> sounds like a video game that you have to tear up to go at level up to go ahead and get to the next level and get right? more items back so true, so true. Yeah, sounds like. it was so it was so crazy and so then like day one I got back a dress because I couldn't deal with being like naked. I was like, this is so uncomfortable. I'm so like not like able to be like this. I was taking like the tarp <laughs> off the floor they were using for filming and putting it over me. And they kept telling me, you can't do that. And I'm like, but it's here. And they're like, yeah, but you can't do that because on camera, like you can't have the tarp on you. And I was like, okay, well in between filming, like I'm putting this on me. I kept fighting them because I didn't want to just naked. I was having a really hard time. Um, whereas my husband embraced it. He was just like, here we are. Like he was just cool. He didn't care. Like he was messing with them. They had the boom mic and he was like following them around. And like, you know, I was like, oh my gosh. But I was like hiding in a corner. Like I was like, <laughs> I love your husband already. Seriously. Yeah. He's sounds awesome. <laughs> it sounds really awesome. Everybody loves him. He just doesn't care. You know, he's like, here I am. This is take me or leave me. This is who I am. Gotta love I mean, was, Were there any cold? days or nights or anything i mean would, could you at least cover yourself with something that you know and you would have to like sleep in the cold so we were sleeping on our floor so it was cold in the sense you have a blanket but then it was like sticky and hot in the sense you're like your naked body is stuck sticking to the floor, floor. floor. yeah we had our toilet paper um rolls we had them on our um behind her head like you know basically like prison style for pillows um wow <laughs> it was like yeah it was so intense like so intense like people watch the show and they're like oh okay like you're naked and i'm like no you don't understand like everything is taken away from you like the first day you literally have nothing and you're just like oh my gosh shit like what did we do like it was so intense and so that first day back I got a dress because I couldn't deal with being naked. But Justin was like, okay, we're going to kill each other or ourselves if we don't do something about our floor situation. And we need something to like sit on. So he got back our couch because he's a team player and he was like Mr. Realistic. And he's like, you get your dress and do what you got to do. But like, I'm going to make sure we can like survive this for the next, you know, 20 days. So I'm going to get the couch. So we got the couch from him. And that was a game changer. Like when he asked for that, it was so funny to watch the producer's faces because they were like wait what like you're gonna get the couch back already like, they were trying to like convince him to get something else back because mm -hmm. they didn't want him to get the couch back they were mm -hmm. like why don't he's you smart wait? yeah he's totally smart and they were like why don't you wait and he was like nope i want the couch back and i was like 
<laughs> and they made him work for it because it was a um a sectional like a like you know like pieces so they made him go and take it in pieces and go get it which by the way everything had to be retrieved from our like pod our little storage situation mm-hmm. which was a half a mile from our home and we had to walk there naked to retrieve our items and, and walk there barefoot like it didn't matter what was going on you had to go and get it if you wanted your item you were responsible to retrieve it that is intense. <laughs> you weren't kidding. No. Wow. I mean, I, I more props to you. I'll tell you right now. I couldn't do it. I no. couldn't do it. I mean, <laughs> it was intense. I mean, that's nuts, though. I mean, I don't that's... think I would have survived without him. I think that if I had done it by myself, which is what they originally wanted, I think mm-hmm. I would have like had a full blown meltdown and like dropped out day two. Like I was, it, I was really it, grateful I had him. It's so funny. Cause I could almost, I could almost imagine after the show wrapped, you know, he's still like walking around naked around the house. Honey, the show's over. Okay. Put some clothes on. <laughs> exactly. He was so like, like so free. whatever. Yeah. He was so free. Like he was like, you know, in our backyard, like picking lemons to figure out how to use it to like brush our teeth since we have toothbrush. Like, Wow, he he went he went straight Boy Scout style on that like one. All in, and I was like, oh my god, like some face, like how do I? Like- <laughs> he went straight Boy Scout on that, you know. He was all MacGyvering everything, you know. He's like, hold yeah. on, this grass, this lemon, I could create like a tool out of this right now. Exactly, <laughs> and he was, he totally was. It was like everything was a tool, and I was just like, well, good to know. If God forbid I got stranded, like we'd survive, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. <laughs> You did right. You picked the good guy right there. Well, I mean, you went, I mean, obviously you did well on that show. I mean, I I really hope you got paid for that. Believe it or not, you know how it goes in reality. Uh, well, you wow, because you know how it goes. It sounds like it was torture. So, I mean, I mean, it's like I hope you got something out of it besides being tortured. That's just well, I mean, cool. I got pregnant after filming, so I feel like I got my daughter. That's kind of cool. That's awesome. That's awesome, though. That's awesome. Well, that's really cool. I mean, you know, you 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 had that show. Many people know you from that show, um, and of course, you know, you got the style and everything. That now, I mean, you you went ahead and you went from all that to now doing your own podcast. I mean, how did how did the idea of a podcast come about? So, to be honest, it was like not planned at all. So, you know, fast forward, it's, I because yeah. it's because all everything everything uh, it's called uh, everything with Ali Levine. Yeah, everything with Ali Levine. Mm. And before it was everything with Ali Levine, it was called Strip Down with Ali Levine, playing off of Strip. And when smart, I, <laughs> smart right? marketing, yeah, yeah. branding, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay. So when I first had Amelia, you know, and I was the first, you know, new mom, I went through pretty heavy postpartum depression with her. And mm. so after, you know, kind of coming out of that darkness and the trenches of becoming a new mom, which so many moms do, mm. I started finding myself all over again. And I realized like that version of Allie that before being the mother, like really didn't exist anymore. And I felt like I was kind of mourning the death of myself in a lot of ways. Um, and so that was my first podcast episode was like, I wanted to just release it and get it 
out and just feel like I was not only just journaling, but like voicing how I was feeling. I didn't expect it to really be a podcast. It was more like, I'm just going to voice how I feel and just kind of, you know, get this out healthy, you know, emotionally and just kind of see what happens. And so I, you know, released it just thinking maybe I'd share a couple episodes of how I was feeling. I didn't think it was going to be like an actual podcast. And I was just so grateful that so many moms came around me and were like, wow, thank you for sharing this. Like you made me feel not alone. All of a sudden, all these people were reaching out, even like celebrities that were moms and were like, hey, I'd love to share my story. And it ended up becoming this place where everyone wanted to share their real raw truths. And it was like, holy crap, like, what just happened, you know? And same with my Instagram. It was like, I started sharing my blog and on my Instagram, like all these raw truths in my postpartum depression and my body not bouncing back the way I thought it was going to. And all these things that like, I would honestly never share pre-being a mom, you know? It was like always fluff and glam styling when I was posting. And so it was a totally different, you know, avenue for me and not something I planned on doing at all. But the more I shared, the more all these people were reaching out and saying like, wow, would you share about this? And could you tell your story about that? And all of a sudden I'm, you know, in the space being an influencer and I'm sharing my stories and all like real raw truths about myself and I'm getting you know these brand campaigns and I'm getting partnerships and my career starts moving in that direction and it wasn't planned and so then fast forward you know now you know when the pandemic first hit in 2020 and everyone's at home obviously and everything's really slowed down you know my influencer work at that point had really kind of come to a halt tv segments obviously were at a halt everything I was doing was like done and so I was like okay what am I going to do to stay creative and stay just doing something and so I was like I gotta do more podcasting I gotta do more recording and Strip Down was still going but I realized that it wasn't serving me the way it had served me before. And I wanted to connect with so many other individuals that were struggling during the pandemic and were trying to you know, pivot and transition their lives. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to just be even though my heart is for moms. And so I was like, how can I do this? And that was hence the rebrand in 2020 was everything with Ali Levine because I felt like it had evolved since I became was becoming a mom of two. You know, I was pregnant with Arlie, my second during the pandemic. And I felt like I had a lot of my own growth during that time as well, you know, just with everything going on in the world. And so I thought maybe I will do more of a, the same show, but change the name and do, you know, wellness and spiritual well-being and everyone's real raw truths, but like encompassing everyone and not just moms, but of course still having a ton of moms on. And so that that's how everything with Ali Levine was born. And it's been really great because with the pandemic, everyone's home. So I've gotten to interview so many amazing people and have them share their stories. And it's been such an inspiring place for my guests, but also for myself. So I've been really enjoying the rebrand and getting to focus on so many different areas that I feel like are so important now, along with motherhood. No, and that's really, and that's fantastic. I mean, to go ahead and do that, but I'm wondering if, uh, you know, obviously we know that the pandemic is starting to slow down. It's starting to like, you know, uh, thank God it's starting to actually like, uh, you know, with the new vaccine out, the new vaccines and everything, uh, it's starting to little by little, you know, start getting back to normal here and there. I mean, even even when things start getting back to normal, are you going to continue the podcast or yeah. are you going to, you know, kind of because, uh, you know, right. Like you said, right now. It's because you have time to do it. You have time to go ahead and do it because there's nothing else really going on. Nothing's really opening this and the other. So how are you going to, able, I mean, are you going to be able to tackle being a mom, being a stylist, your brand, everything. And on top of that, a podcast, are you going to be able to like add that now? That's the real question. I mean, million dollar question, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's the truth. 
Yeah, I mean, I think if anything, during this pandemic, I've learned so much more how to juggle my time. Um, and like every day is different. Obviously, being a mom of two little ones, like right now, Justin has the girls or I wouldn't be able to do this. And having a team, you know, with my husband and, and being able to create time and be intentional with my time has been a game changer during this time because we've mm-hmm. le- really learned how to team up and work together and make things work. So I definitely do want to continue doing all I'm doing with the podcast. I probably won't be interviewing five days a week like I'm doing right now because to be honest I'm actually kind of like hitting burnout in general <laughs> so I, I and you know I mean you know <laughs> it's like you know it's like you do it for so long and all of a sudden you're like oh I, I need my face needs a break my mouth needs a break everything needs a break like I, I usually need know? a break for I usually need a break from Jeremy so <laughs> I was waiting for that thanks but see that's the thing even when we're not doing this you don't get a break from me that's you're, very true we're, we're related very, now so that's very unfortunate know. yes we are I mean, it's the craziest thing. I mean, this the, it, it's funny because we were talking about this at the at the opening of the show that the hats actually describe our rivalry all the time. He's USC, I'm UCLA. So, I love it. so <laughs> you know, we go that route. But no, that's no, that's that's definitely true. It's definitely true. Um, you and do get mom, burned out. You, know, you learn to. Yours is even worse. Yeah. I get burned out. I'm I'm single. I have no kids or anything. I can't even imagine <laughs> you as a mom of two. You know, going doing all this stuff. You definitely get burned out. I do for sure. But I think the two, now that I'm a mom of two also, like I, they're my why, you know what I mean? Like, it's like my why has changed from, it's still of course helping others and empowering them and, and helping others feel confident and all those things. But my why has completely changed. It's all about them. It's all about my family. So like the more I have more, the more I can do more, the more I can give more. Like, it's just so, you know, I, I keep that in mind constantly to myself when I feel overwhelmed or when I feel like I can't do everything, I really have to like refocus and be like, okay, what are the priorities I need to get done so that I can make sure I keep my job going? What are the things that can wait for a few days, you know, and I move things around, but I don't think I was ever that intentional or that productive with my time, which is hilarious because I had so much more time before I was a mom, but now I feel like I'm actually more productive because I've learned how to find those small minutes of time. I mean, I, you know, I work a lot of like late nights and I do a lot during nap time and, you know, my, my me time is, you know, very small, but I get a lot more done because I've learned how to, you know, juggle and one of my girlfriends said to me recently like it's like you have a lot of balls in the air right it's like plastic balls and glass balls you can't drop the glass balls but the plastic balls can hit the floor so it's like how do you figure out which ones you know are which and like what does that mean to you and then going back to my why of like being intentional of getting that stuff done you know and and so to your ans you know to answer your question like yes I plan on absolutely continuing probably pulling it back and only recording maybe one or two times a week depending on what else is going on but I definitely want to keep it moving it's doing so well like people I mean I'm getting guests like requests constantly now I'm not having to reach out anymore which I still am but it's nice as you know when you get guest requests versus having to constantly build up the show and I feel like I'm past that now and I'm really in the like moving forward trajectory and just really exciting things happening with it and people are really resonating with it and I'm grateful that people really love the conversations it's such a real and raw space I love getting to connect with my guests so I definitely don't see it going anywhere I just think I'll probably, you know, back it up a little bit as I make room for other projects that come into play um, and other content I have to work on for my social now that that's starting. Time management and everything. 
Yeah, time management, exactly. And as a mom, you <laughs> as a you mom entrepreneur, you learn real quick. You have to do it and you have to really figure out like where your little times, you know, and, and figure out how to do it. And being, you know, my own business, like I have to remember that I'm also the CEO and be like, okay, today's gonna be this project, and then I'm gonna set myself up for the month so that I'm not crazy through the whole month. So that's been a lot of juggling, but a lot of learning for me. <laughs> and no no cream in the tea. Definitely no cream in the tea. You don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always going to remember that one. So that's always going to be on the back of my head. <laughs> no cream for my coffee. No, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> no. and Jeremy's like, oh God, <laughs> I have to deal with this guy. <laughs> I'm, I'm still, I'm still stunned. We found a tea drinker out of New York, you know, you know, I gave up coffee like probably five, seven years ago now. It was like in the beginning when it, like when I first moved to LA, I was drinking it like nonstop when I first was, you know, a PA obviously and I could barely mm-hmm. survive like 18 hour days. But then I realized I was so jittery. I was like so all over the place and I was just like, you know what? I got to give this up. So I gave it up as like a New Year's resolution, but then I never went back to it. And now I just, I stick to tea. And to be honest, I just love water. Like everyone always laughs, but I'm like, water is life to me. Like yeah. I oh, I've- so much water. I have my big like hydro flask. Right here. <laughs> like, I'm drinking my bottle of water. So I mean, I'll get my water. Like sometimes I'll add like a little bit of you know uh, mint essential oils to it to give it a little like flavor or like a, you know a little something something or lemon. But I I drink so much water, so I feel like I actually have more energy without the coffee. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I, I I mean I'm still a coffee drinker. I can't I can't live without coffee. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, if I don't Same have my here. coffee, yeah, if I don't have my coffee, people are gonna die. People will die. <laughs> I would say so. That's your drama. Like, if you don't have your coffee, it's like get out of my way. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's one of those things where I'm like, you don't want to talk to me when I don't have my coffee. You really don't want to do that right <laughs> now. <laughs> no, I, I drink my coffee for your protection, not mine. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's like crack. I swear. It's weird. <laughs> I mean, no, but that's really cool though. I mean, that's really cool that uh, your podcast is doing very well uh it's got a it's got a very large following uh so i mean i'm very like you know congratulations on that uh in this in and you mentioned you know i mean we're obviously in a pandemic right now uh and you've obviously found things to do to continue to like you know move forward which is really good you know i mean especially you know when you're in a closed space and you got no one to you know you have nowhere to go nothing to do you know i you obviously have to you know i you know idle hands um so but that's really cool that you found uh your your other niche which is which i don't think you even realized that that was your niche really which is podcasting you had no idea no i, mean, I had no idea but people tell me like you know when they come on they're like oh you're so good at interviewing and like it's funny i've had so many guests reach out and be like can i just tell you you made me so comfortable i was one of the like, easiest interviews i ever had and i'm like Really? It's so funny, right? You're like, you love hearing that. You love, you definitely, yeah, you do. Yeah, you really do. Like, yeah. So I've had that. Yeah, I'm sure you have, you know, and it's like, I don't know, it's, there's something really fun and magical about podcasting. Like, obviously you guys can understand being podcasters. Like I I love the social media space. I love that. No, I'm very grateful that my, you know, having, being an influencer and and getting to work with brands and campaigns, but there's just something so magical and real about podcasting where even though I try to be as real as possible on my Instagram and on my social platforms, I still feel like there's this like fluff fakeness to a point, just no matter what, just like just 
built into it. And with podcasting, like it just doesn't exist. Like it's a community. Everyone loves to have open conversations, whether you agree or not. Like it's just back and forth conversation. And it, I don't know, it's just, it's so cool. And I, I'm grateful that I got so heavy into it during the pandemic because like, I remember one of the first months in the pandemic and it was really hard and really heavy. And I turned to Justin and I said, I was like, I am so grateful for my podcast right now. And he was like, really? And I was like, I feel like this is keeping me sane. Like I'm having all these amazing conversations and being inspired and uplifted and finding business ideas, like all these things that I just wouldn't have had, had I not like switched my podcast to like being this more open space with all these people and drawing those people in and aligning with those people. So I really like, I, I, I just, I love it. I'm so grateful for my show. I, I understand completely. I mean, I've been doing I've been doing podcasting since 2010. I've been right, on you were and off like, doing it, but it was first like mm-hmm. becoming a thing. Yeah, I knew it was gonna. I knew it was gonna pop. I always knew it was gonna pop. I had this feeling. I'm like, you know what? This is the future. Podcasting is, in fact, the future. Uh, radio is slowly but surely, you know, starting to. Yeah. And, and it's 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 starting to fade a little bit, but it's mainly because there's so many restrictions in radio. Yeah. You can't be real. You can't say what you want to right. say in radio. It's, it's a box, right? Exactly. Yeah. You can't you can't get out of there, you know. And that's something that a lot of people want to like just break out and get into podcasting because they want to say what they feel. They want right. to, they want to have no FCC regulations, no restrictions, right. nothing. Just say what you want to say, right. you know, and, and create it and have it be yours. And whatever the message you're trying to get out there, whatever you're trying to share, like that's yours, you know, and, and you've created it. And I, I agree with you. And I kind of feel like that's like, where we're going in general in the future, like pandemic or not, I feel like we have learned during this time, like in my opinion, like one of the blessings for me is like realizing that like there's been so many limiting beliefs around me that like I have to do this or I have to do that. And it's like, that's not true. We've all learned during this time, like we can shift things around. We can figure out other avenues. We don't have to be in a box per se. You can do remote work and still be productive. Some people have been more productive being remote work, you know? So I think like a lot of those systems and, and, you know, programs and boxes that we were put in are slowly like fading away. And we're starting to be like, no, we're going to do things our way. Yep. I, I can't, I couldn't agree more. You know, that's definitely, that's definitely very true. So, I mean, you know, obviously we're going back, uh, pandemic starting to like die down a little bit, you know, we're starting to like slowly, but surely, you know, again, with the new vaccine, get back to normal and everything as normal as we can. I mean, what do you, I mean, what do you have planned once things start to actually move forward? What's going on? What, what's going on with, with, uh, with your, with your company, with uh, your brand and everything, Ali, I mean, what's, what's the plan for, 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 for the future for you. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm hoping to do more TV segments, whether they're remote or not right now, they've all been remote. A lot of studios are going to stay remote for quite some time. So I plan on creating a lot more ideas and content uh, for these different remote uh, segments, you know, all over uh, different, you know, states and and counties and everything. I did one with Vegas recently on self-love and how like, you know, self-love is self-awareness and did a lot of projects around that. We had a lot of fun with that. Um, San Diego, I've got some other, um, San Francisco and some other places um, I'm working on for like May, for Mother's Day. So I'm really focusing on content and ideas and strategies around that. Um, obviously my influencer work, you know, luckily is I can be at home with the girls. So I'm just working on ideas of different brands that I want to partner with to get different messages out that I want to align with and get out. Uh, my YouTube is slowly re- relaunching. I didn't plan on that at all. It's been kind of just one of those things that's been sitting for a long time. 
And it was funny, like I was telling this to Kelly last week that one of my videos from like two and a half years ago went viral. And all of a sudden I'm getting all these comments and I see I have like one point, like four million views on a video. And I'm like, what the heck? And it's a video of me, like, it was so funny because it was like all like 20 seconds. And it's literally me like at an event, having to breastfeed Amelia while doing my makeup, while getting ready, like doing all the things as a new mom, like struggling, falling over. And, and I just threw it up as like a, you know, mom on the go, real life kind of thing. And all of a sudden it's like trending and it's like everywhere. And I'm like, what the heck? And so she's like, well, we got to launch <laughs> YouTube again. And so I guess I have all these new subscribers and people. So I'm like, okay, so I'm slowly working on content for that. And like what I want that to look like going forward, because it was first just fashion. And now I obviously my whole brand has become fashion, motherhood, kind of lifestyle. So I'm figuring out what videos to put up for that and release that. Uh, of course, more podcast episodes, hopefully some interviews in person as well as, you know, remote to have guests on. And um, styling wise, you know, a lot of people are hitting me up on Zoom and FaceTime and Skype uh, to be dressed, you know, to get them ready for work again and to help them find their confidence. So I'm really enjoying getting to do that um, and help people all over the world that I would have maybe never connected with. So it's exciting. There's a lot of stuff um, moving forward. And I'm sure as things open up more, you know, I'll figure out some other things out in the world. But, um, you know, honestly, being a mom, you know, of two, I love being home with the girls and getting to work from home. So, you know, events, of course, here and there to go to, hopefully some studios to show up at. But most of my work and running my business around the girls. Nice, nice. Well, I'm very, uh, I'm very happy that uh, you you definitely know your, the direction that you're going and what's going to happen next with Allie. I mean, hopefully, maybe one of these days I could call you up and be like, Allie, help me out. I look like crap. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think even Allie could help you, brother. Sorry. <laughs> I, was, I, was I, wait, I was waiting everyone. for that. <laughs> I was waiting for that from him. I was waiting that from that from him. You know, he always he always has to go ahead and like get get that little gem in there. A little, little dig, little dig. Yeah. <laughs> How he knows I love him. Yes, yes, it's tough love. It's tough love, but it's it's love of some sort, nonetheless. It feels like love, so. <laughs> it, it feels like something. I don't know if I would call it love, but it feels like something. <laughs> something jabbing me on the okay, side. Okay. <laughs> I love it. I love but anyways, well, Allie, how can how can people uh, go ahead and stalk you on social media? Stalk me. Uh, okay, so people can find me at Allie Levine Design. A-L-I-L-E-V-I-N-E Design. No S on the hosting is that's no S. Uh, Allie Design, Instagram, I show up the most, but I do, of course, have Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest and TikTok. And <laughs> I was going to ask if you gotten into TikTok already, too. Uh, yeah, you know what's funny? I got onto TikTok in the beginning of the pandemic, and then I was like, this is exhausting, and I got off. And then recently, again, I've been getting asked to get back on, so I'm trying to be good about dropping a video here and there. It's fun. Like, it's yeah. not really work, but it's just, like, obviously being a content creator when all you do is create, you get exhausted. So it's like, I have to pick and choose, like, where I'm going to show up, and I wish I could split myself into a million pieces and be on all different platforms, but, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's, it's intense. So I am doing it, but it's more like, 
just kind of fun videos versus like, for example, I just did like a body video that went, that did well, where I was like showing my mom bod and saying I was proud of my mom body. Like, you know, I never thought I'd be here with this body now, but like, I'm proud of it. I had two girls and, you know, so it's a little bit more like fun and loose versus like structured, obviously on other social platforms. So I'm playing around with it more. Um, YouTube, like I said, is going to relaunch with new content. There are some new videos there. So you can check them out. Um, And of course my podcast, everything with Ali Levine, anywhere you listen to this amazing podcast, you can find my podcast and yeah, um, just honestly search alilevine.com is my website. That's rebranding actually, which I'm really excited about. That'll be updated um, come sometime in April is the goal. And it's going to be just a mix of everything I've had going on for all these years and not just fashion, but bringing in the motherhood and podcast and lifestyle to get to see all the things I've been up to in the last few years that have kind of gone through in a blur. (laughs) Um, And yeah, you know, just I'm always open for fun new opportunities. I've got some cool interviews uh, going on, you know, for TV soon. So uh, there's a lot of exciting stuff coming. I'm, I'm excited. Nice, nice. Do you ever do any uh, Instagram lives or Facebook lives at all? You know, go ahead and talk, chat with some of your fans, followers. Yeah, I do some Instagram lives. I know it's funny you said that. Everyone keeps saying that to me. I did one last week. Um, I had a, like a mom on where we talked about like boundaries and how important they are. And it was a really interesting and people got really into the conversation. Um, and I did a TikTok actually with this really cool woman who's like a TikTok expert. I had her on a few weeks ago and we talked all things TikTok and monetizing. Um, but I, I do have to get better about doing some random lives here and there because everyone's been asking me and I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot about Instagram Live. Like, <laughs> and you know, too, I forgot that exists. Right, I forgot it exists. And also, too, obviously, with being podcasters, like we were on podcasting, right? So we're talking to everybody there, but you forget, like, not everybody is listening to the podcast, you know? So it's like, oh, okay, I should. So yeah, I add that to my to dos that I need to jump on more lives. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, well, Ali Levine, thank you so much for being on the Xander Effect. It was a pleasure and an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> to uh, chat with you today. Hopefully you'll be able to make it back here again very soon. Thanks so much for having me. No nice worries. meeting you, Ali. Great talking with you. Yeah, thanks, guys. Coming up next on the Xander Effect, uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov has made it official. He has officially retired from the UFC. We'll talk a little bit about that. But first, here is Incubus, pardon me, right here on the Xander Effect.
days ago I was having a look in a book And I saw a picture of a guy right up above his knee I said I can relate Cause lately I've been thinking of combusted kitchen As a welcome vacation from the burdens of the planet Earth So I got the hypocrisy and the perils of being in 3D But thinking so much You tune in, turn up, and turn out for my boy Xander. You feel me? You feel me? Feel me? The Xander Effect. You did. Let 
This is Larry Neymar, the founder of E! Entertainment Television. Hi, this is Maricela Cornejo. Hey, how's it going? This is Polo Molina. Hey, yo, what's up? This is the Zando Effect, and I am the DJ KID, the Kick and Creek. Welcome to the place to be. Senorita, you know, I've been looking for you all of my life, and what is your name? I just what is want your to name? let you know that uh, if you love me, you love me. If you don't love me, then tell me you don't love me. People say, we don't need nobody to lean on, I don't agree though Mamas have papas and papas have mamas and people need people uh, Opposites equal, a baby so little There's a chapel somewhere, on a hill in San Pedro Overlooking the ocean, with the gazebo For a male and a female, hoping that he will Propose to a face to face, hand to hand Body to body, and not through an email Used to have problems with details Now I know what you're wearing Like I've been working for women's retail We going for a ride Why don't you fasten your seatbelt? We will never forget or never regret The stuff that we said As we walked in the aisle Walked us straight out the church Into the car Cause it's an event Marriage was meant A man and a woman I gotta stand up for something Head over hills Like I fell on the steps My head is still spinning from tumbling Man, I'm just rambling, huh? And they say, I don't know nothing, huh? Maybe I'm done when it comes to love Baby, I've been calling you that you let me through Open up the door Maybe I can talk to you I mean, where you at? Where you been? And possibly you say I do For real? Are you just let it ring, 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 ring Come on, girl Stop letting If you could wear this ring, 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 ring Hey, I'm assuming you love me Woman, you want me Why don't you tell me? I come when you call me about you, the place with my heart beat, there's something about you, makes me feel like I'm melting, no matter what you say, nothing can stop me, girl you can help me, don't take a selfie without me, tell 
tell me about you Like there's nothing about me There's so much that you possess Let me do your accounting Huh? What would you say if I wish you away Pick you up from the job in the middle of the day In a helicopter With some tickets to a play Or an opera Right before we get there get Some lobster Or a plate full of pasta yeah. Then I hug you On a planet to surprise you right. After the embrace Stand up in a place Get right up in your face Then I stop you Get on one knee So everyone can see I'm in the posture Then get out my pocket Then I open a little box up Got that expression on your face Like you just won an Oscar Couldn't imagine my life without you Baby, I've been calling you Hoping that you let me through Maybe I can talk to you Possibly you say I do, but you just let it ring, 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 ring. If you would wear this ring, 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 ring. It's plagiarism, yeah, to say that you do and act like you're true. I did that to you, girl. Xander Effect. Again, uh, big thanks to Allie Levine for uh, paying us a visit here on Xander Effect. Really appreciate her uh, coming through. Man, talk about you know going from somewhere completely different to something completely different in her, that hey, entire it just life. Go- it just goes to show. I mean, she's, you can tell she's somebody who likes the hustle. Yep. You know, she does. She doesn't, she's not somebody who's going to be happy sitting on her tush at home. Uh, she wants to be hustling and moving and she's always looking for new opportunities. And when you're open to whatever comes along, you know, she's, she's a living example of, of what can happen and how far that can take you. And she's also a living example of of, uh, of a woman that can handle everything, being a mom, business, uh, you know, and just everything. I mean, that's that's something that uh, that's very that's something that's 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 um, that should always be revered. Oh, ab- uh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, mad props to her husband as well for um, being the other half of that equation. Always be that, you know, well, that's what I mean, being supportive and, you know, having kids, as she said, doing our interview, the kids are with him at the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, he's stepping up. And when she's got to do her stuff, he's there. He's that other. I mean, so mad props to him. Sounds like an awesome guy. Allie is amazing. I mean, I'm yep. blown away, dude. She she is a force of nature. 
<laughs> tell me about it. Tell me about it. Now she's she's I've, I've met her in person. I've hung out with her before, and she's just a she's just a sweetheart. Love Allie. I think she's uh, she's amazing. Uh, everybody, go ahead and make sure you uh, you Google her, find her on find her social media, check her out, check out her podcast. It's fantastic. You know, I mean, and and definitely looking forward to having her back here again. Uh, we got some uh, some news in uh, sports. Jeremy, you called it. You said it. He's not coming back, and he's definitely not coming back. Uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov has officially retired uh, with a with a stunning twenty nine and zero record in the UFC in mixed martial arts. Uh, you know, it seems that uh, Dana White went ahead and told ESPN via text message, "Quote: Khabib is retired and doesn't want to hold up the division. Tonight was our final meeting, and he is retired." I mean, you said it, dude. You you said that he the guy has nothing else to prove. I mean, and he said he was done. He was done. As as we talked about before, his reasons for, for retiring were sound. This was not a guy who's burnt out and doesn't want to do it anymore. This is not a guy who maybe has lost his passion. This is a guy who made a promise to his mother. This is a guy who was fighting for the pride of his father, who was his trainer and in his corner and always there for him, the reason he fought in the first place. Well, that's not there anymore. He said, I can't picture ever walking into the ring again without my dad. Mm -hmm. I wanted to come back this one time, win, honor him, and that's it. You know, and he not only retired a champ, as we said, said, undefeated, did not, does not have a single thing to prove. He beat every single top person they threw at him. Um, as we've talked about before, once the guy gets his hands on you, it's over with. I mean, he's an anaconda. It's absolutely amazing to watch. He's wrestled and bears for God's sake. I, I know. That's what I'm <laughs> saying. I mean, the guy is an absolute beast. And like I said, what made me really realize that this was this was the end. He was done was just his reasons were very personal and very sound. You know, it's it's when you've lost what you've always fought for. And again, we know the toll this takes on the body. We know the dedication it takes. When you've lost the one reason you got into fighting in the first place, that's that's a big um, portion of your motivation and your purpose that is is gone now. Mm-hmm. So I just I didn't see Dana White being able to talk his way through that. You know, yeah. Dana's probably got the best mouth on him for this kind of business next to Vince McMahon. You know, he is kind of the second coming of Vince when it comes to that kind of thing and being able to talk these guys into just about anything. But I really just... I could see it. There was just no way he was going to talk his way into this one. I mean, um, it, it, you it can almost, see it in Khabib's eyes. I mean, it also seems that uh, it also seems in a way I could also almost and, and I'm not saying that he did, but it would almost seem like Dana White kind of tells other fighters to try to egg him on, try to, you know, hey, go ahead and talk crap about him, you know, uh, oh, yeah, try, to, you- try to see if you could like, you know, rope him into a fight or something. I'm almost thinking that that's Dana White telling Conor McGregor, be like, dude, he doesn't like you. Egg him on. You know, see if see if maybe you talking crap will make him come back or something. Now, you and I, of course, have no proof that that occurred. Exactly. But I'd be willing to bet my house on it. I mean, no joke. There's 
I mean, that's that's definitely in Dana's wheelhouse. Uh, he is the master of that type of publicity. And as much instigation, as he, instigation, as much as he talks a good game about keeping it professional and everything else, he knows what drives the numbers and it's the rivalries and the the shit talking and the back and forth. So, yeah, he's been known to stir the pot and I wouldn't put it past him at all to have tried to through other fighters needle Khabib into back into the ring. I, I absolutely think his fingerprints were all over that. <laughs> well, it's a sad day for Dana White then because Khabib didn't didn't bite. <laughs> Khabib did like not said, bite. The, the one the one time I was I was pretty positive he was not going to get his way this time, uh, and it, it looks that way. And you know, God bless Khabib retire in peace go enjoy your life man you gave us you gave us some great years and some amazing fights and he, he was an absolute privilege to watch as a fight fan made a ton of money made so much i mean it's it, yeah dude. and brought a lot of pride and respect to his people you know you're talking about a very proud culture and a very proud people and he you know he he brought a lot of not notoriety in a bad way, but he brought a lot of notice mm -hmm. and a lot of respect to his culture. And uh, you you just you can't say enough about him. He really is an amazing champion. True, true. And, uh, you know, more power to him. Wish him much luck in whatever he decides to do in the future. Seems like he's got he, he's this probably won't be the end of the, of the last time we'll hear of Khabib Nurmagomedov being involved in MMA. Maybe not as a fighter, but maybe he'll be training other fighters, maybe creating his own uh, his own uh, his own team to, you know, sponsor another fighter you know to go ahead and continue uh, the tradition and take on the mantle i mean he has a lot to he has a lot to teach he learned a lot from his father and therefore i wouldn't be surprised if he would like to share that knowledge with maybe his kids or maybe uh somebody that he believes has potential to be the next him i mean there, there's you know the 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 you know there is no boundary you know sky's the limit for khabib right now he's young He's got long, you know, life ahead of him, God willing. I mean, he's got a lot of stuff that he could go ahead and look forward to. So more power to him and I uh, wish him luck in other sports news. Looks like uh, Deshaun Watson is in even more hot water than uh, was actually expected. Apparently the NFL has decided to uh, uh, begin an investigation on these, uh, these uh, sexual misconduct allegations against Deshaun Watson. But the bad part about it is that more women have come forward. We have at least uh from what I understand from what the reports suggest, there's at least five or six other women that have uh, that have come forward. And these women have pretty much the same the same story. They're all they all have. Uh, from what I understand, they all have the uh, actually uh, seven. Actually, it's been reported seven cases, seven different cases of of, of, of accusers that um, it says, uh, according to TMZ.com, accuser, quote, accuser number four, accuser number five, accuser number six and accuser number seven, all using the pseudonyms Jane Doe, make similar accusations to the previous accusers. So that's a lot. I mean, if they're all if they, if they all have the same 
the same accusations that's not looking good for deshaun like it's it's looking pretty bad i mean it, there's even there's even uh one of the accusers or the 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 first accuser actually uh th- her lawyer has texts that basically read uh this is this is actually in a time frame of uh during the time that deshaun was having a a, a massage or something like that and apparent allegedly according to uh what the accuser is saying is that deshaun uh was making her feel uncomfortable he was he actually exposed himself to her uh was putting her hand on his genitalia trying to make her you know uh, uh massage it or something like that and according to the to the screenshot of the text messages it says um at the end of the text message there's a there's a certain time frame between the two um the the first one is at uh you know uh, basically something about uh you know, uh, something about restroom or something like that and it's uh it's actually dated march 30th of 2020 this is at around 2 45 p.m and then the next message on march 30th this is almost an admission of guilt damn near almost an admission of guilt or or not an admission of guilt it's more along the lines of it it coincides with the accusations and this could actually damage it even more. It says the, the, the text is actually at 4.33 p.m. So that's about a little over two hours after the first, the initial text. And it reads, quote, sorry, this is from Deshaun to the masseuse, to the masseuse saying, quote, sorry about you feeling uncomfortable. Never were the intentions. Let me know if you want to work in the future. My apologies. That right there could kind of make them look bad <laughs> a little bit uh it coincides with what the with the accusation what she was saying and then him trying to apologize afterward after exposing himself allegedly so that's not looking good for deshaun at all right now i mean what do you what do you think on this whole situation jeremy you know me <clears throat> on these i'm never in a rushed judgment position just because i've seen it go both ways there's seven uh, accusers at this point and i'm not saying i'm i'm playing devil's advocate here essentially mm-hmm. <sighs> <This> is, <laughs> it's a tough one i know <laughs> this is coming at a time and again i'm playing devil's advocate i am not one who is a disbeliever every time someone comes out and accuses somebody you know i really do believe you need to if not completely support, but at least give the benefit of the doubt to any accuser who comes forward talking about this stuff. Uh, We spent way too many years sweeping this crap under the rug for Mm -hmm. celebrities and high profile people. So I'm not trying to do that, but this has all come up coincidentally, perhaps at the time when he was refusing to report and demanding a trade from his team. Mm. Now, like I said, I'm just playing devil's advocate. Those texts sound awful. But is it that outlandish to think that someone with a vested stake in this might contact other women to say, hey, jump on the bandwagon. We could use this, you know, like I said, it almost sounds it almost sounds like. Like mafia, almost, you know. Like I said, well, what do you think big business in this country is? True. Most danger- the most dangerous gang in this country is big 
business. In particular, old white money big business. So, you know, that's the most dangerous gang in this entire country. So, again, I'm not saying that's what happened. I'm not saying these women are lying. I'm playing devil's advocate. That's why I'm not rushing to judgment. You know, there's going to be an investigation by the NFL. If more charges continue to come forward like this, the police will probably get involved as well. I believe they already are. I think they I think they might be already involved. There we go. Then, like I said, we're going to hear more and the investigation's going to progress. I'm not going to rush to judgment on either side because Mm -hmm. I have seen it go both ways. I've seen people that I knew who were high profile be targeted with false accusations. Now, I've also seen it go the other way with people that I knew who I never would have thought um, could do something like that and the charges turn out to be true. So again, I don't rush to judgment on either side of this. I do find it a little suspicious that we heard nothing about any of this stuff with him being a rising, you know, one of the biggest names in the game, one of the biggest rising quarterbacks stars in the game. We haven't heard word one about this until he's having problems with his contract and wants out of Texas. Yeah, you do. You do bring up a good point. And that just seems a little fishy to me. Yeah, it could be. It could be a little bit suspect. I'm not going to lie. You put but it again, in that gonna, context. But we're going to find out. I mean, the investigation is going to move forwards. And if he was that inappropriate with all of these people and made them feel uncomfortable and was doing, you know, basically sexually assaulting these people. I mean, grabbing someone's hand and sticking it on your junk is sexual assault. I mean, and not only that, but I mean, here's the thing. That text, you could read. It's a very broad text. It's not really an admission of guilt because, I mean, why would, read, you, I, why would you apologize to somebody like, oh, sorry for putting your hand on my on my on my junk? It doesn't make any again, sense. It, like, it doesn't. Um, if he was trying to just cover his ass, then it makes sense. But it, like you said, it could also be read the other way in that maybe he. I mean, with her. Her. Maybe he turned over and, you know, thought it was a happy ending or asked about it or something, you know, and, and that made her uncomfortable. I, yeah. Again, I'm just throwing crap out there. Could I'm, be anything. It could be absolutely anything, but that text could be read. I mean, as a as a prosecutor or defense attorney, I mean, somebody could turn that text into whatever they want. It could be an omission of guilt. It could be something completely innocent. It's however the the spin doctors decide to play it. True, true. I mean, well, I mean, and, and of course, in this country, you're innocent until proven guilty. So. We just have to wait and see uh, exactly what the investigation, what the end result of the investigation happens. But the but the but the crappy part about this is that his career is now in question. I mean, you know, his sponsors are going to start getting away from that's this. This could be very damaging for Deshaun Watson. It absolutely could. Um, I mean, this is this is of course, you know, if he's found innocent of all this it's still very damaging to his to his to his reputation his career sponsors the works it it absolutely is and for a rising quarterback 
that's a bad thing. I mean, you're the face of whatever franchise you go to. So who's going to want you to be the face of their franchise if this is what you're known for? In the back of their head, they're going to be thinking, this guy is rapist, this guy's this, this guy's that. But let me throw this out there. Kareem Hunt is playing in the league again. This Mm -hmm. is a man who knocked a woman out cold in a freaking hallway or whatever it was true he's he's playing again so obviously winning comes first for football teams <laughs> for any sports franchise for the most part NCAA. And, you know it just winning comes first so eventually someone's gonna want him i mean even if he spends a year or two out his talent level is such that somebody's going to throw a contract at him okay. and say, ah, you know, we'll give it a shot. And he'll come out and probably be very contrite and he's learned his lesson. And so, you know, the, the spin doctors will get a hold of it. But unless they can prove he actually committed rape. Or sexual misconduct I, for that matter. I do. And sexual misconduct, again, If even if they're just proving he grabbed their hand and put it on his junk, I'm telling you, I don't think that's enough to end his career. True. I don't. I really don't. I think it'll blow over to some degree and somebody will throw a contract at him. It's just the way the business works. Well, guess we're going to have to wait and see and find out to see exactly how this all plays out. Uh, but so far right now, Deshaun Watson is in a lot of hot water right now. So we'll just go ahead and see what happens uh, with him uh, in these uh, upcoming weeks with this with this whole accusation. In other sports news, uh, NFL Thursday Night Football is uh, moving to Amazon Prime Video starting in 2023. So it looks like uh, Amazon will be, uh, according to... Um, uh, here, according to IGN.com, it says, uh, this is reported by J. Kim Murphy. It says, quote, the streaming landscape continues to expand into the world of professional sports. Amazon Prime Video has reached a deal with the NFL, securing an exclusive national broadcast package to become the home for Thursday night football beginning in 2023. No broadcast TV partner is on board. That's pretty big. Jeff Bezos is just like, give me more money. <laughs> well, you know, the man can the man can spend and it doesn't hurt him. Yeah. Um This is this is like God, this is like a drop in the bucket like, for him. Like it's not enough that we already have like three other channels to have to go to for different games and now we gotta go to a streaming channel to get this. <laughs> I, I, you know, there is something to be said for centralization. Yeah, yeah, tell me about it. Ay, ay, ay. But I mean, it's a big move and it definitely shows, um, you know, that streaming is where it's at right now. Uh, I mean, as we're seeing, it's changing. I mean, given the pandemic had a lot to do with it, mm-hmm. but it's changing movies, it's changing, you know, everything. So, it's becoming the new normal. I mean, how many people actually tune in to their weekly show on a regular network? Yeah. And how many people used to do that? Yep. 
because I know a lot of people who don't and just wait until, you know, the end of the season, mid-season, and then they to, stream to it. Watch and they watch the entire it. thing, yep. You know, Avoid it's, the commercials. It's, That's it's what I do. <laughs> the, it's changed the game. It really has. So this is just another step in that. Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, it's just television is is slowly but surely losing out on you know to streaming networks absolutely uh, because in the end in my opinion i believe viewers want to have control over what they're watching they want to have control over uh the shows they want to watch they don't want to watch commercials so they pay extra so that way they could avoid you know watching the commercials i mean this is something that that you know has become uh has become a trend now and it's something new well, I'll add something to that, too, is the networks are too regulated, mm-hmm. very much like we were talking about with Ali and that radio is too regulated and podcasts are becoming where it's at because it's more real. It's more natural. It's more raw. Well, similarly, you know, the things people want to see are the ones that are pushing the envelope. They're, they're the things that are generally discarded by the networks because it's too edgy or it's too this or it's too that. I mean, the, the networks half the time don't know what, you know, don't have a clue what they're doing when it comes to their programming. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's the truth. I mean, look at what is the longest running show on TV outside the Simpsons. It's NCIS. Yep. That was not supposed to succeed. I think I've told you this before. Every network turned it down. Every single network. The only reason CBS bought it is because they were doing so well that year, they needed a loser. They expected (laughs) it to flop. Oops. (laughs) And they wanted something to get their books evened a little bit. And it turns into one of the longest running shows on television. And most popular. One of the most popular shows on television. (laughs) So again, I'm... Please don't hate me forever, networks. If you offer me a job, I'll come running like a lapdog. Don't worry about it. But, you know, half the time they don't even know. You know, they're focusing on a certain genre or a certain age demographic or whatever. I mean, there was a period of time where CBS was only really targeting the adult market. You know, Mm -hmm. it was during the time of uh, Murphy Brown and that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff. That's really what they were focused on, where you had NBC and ABC who were focused more towards slightly younger generation. Mm -hmm. Then you had Fox, who was geared towards more of the X game generation. And, you know, but again, they're passing on shows that might be brilliant because it doesn't fit their idea of what their network is. Doesn't fit their click. <laughs> well, that's exactly it. But you don't have that with streaming. True. I mean, look at Netflix, look at Amazon, look at Hulu, look at, you know, Disney Plus, look at all of them. Any of their original content, any of the stuff that's being produced, their shows, it's all stuff that you wouldn't normally see on a network. But it's stuff people are dying to watch. Mm -hmm. So given that new opening, I mean, where where would you want to go? Would you want to? I mean, if you had the opportunity to do a show your way, would you want to do it with a network and all the sensors and all the all the BS you got to go through and them having most of the control? Or would you want to do it your way and go through a streaming service, you know? 
Well, we've already talked about that one. <laughs> you know, what I'm, you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's it's not that going with the network is not great. I mean, I worked on a network show. It was amazing. But that I was would, but that was a different time. And it was a different era. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I still I have friends who are working on shows right now who've worked on network shows consistently over the last 10 years. And it's a great gig. It's a wonderful opportunity. And they do produce some wonderful stuff, but they limit the themselves well i mean looks like it's spilled over into the sports so because now sports are going to be getting in that i mean they were already starting to do that as well in on the on the uh on the uh cbs app which is now called the paramount app mm-hmm. because paramount you know got involved now uh but they were kind of doing it that there as well uh on the on the paramount app they were streaming sports they were already starting to like get to that i mean espn has its own app as well but they don't stream they show highlights right you know of of games and things like that and they show like older games and stuff mm-hmm. you know that you could watch and everything um but and hulu of course hulu also if you buy a package with hulu you get like the nfl package where you could actually stream uh some of your your sporting events on hulu as well so it's all right like it was only a matter of time before amazon joined in the party with that one they probably saw the the revenue uh and they saw hmm, we can make more money off this stuff if we start doing this absolutely i mean that that's a big one for them to go ahead and acquire that is a big one for them i mean you know they're not going to get monday night football away from anybody yeah Um, that's abc's for life is it abc or nbc now Oh, God, I don't know who they changed to, but whoever they changed to this last time, I think it was a 20 or 25 year deal. So it's, it's ESPN. It, I mean, I've, last year I saw it in so many different channels. I'm like, I know, I know. Night football? I'm so confused. I literally just go on and look at the guide on the yeah. TV. I'm like, oh, OK, there it is. I don't even know what channel it is most of the time. I just, I just type in the search. I'm like, uh. Where is at Monday night? (laughs) (laughs) But see, that's what I was going to say is, um, you know, you look at the deals that these streaming services have signed. Mm -hmm. Um, I I watch most of my sports on uh, YouTube live. Mm, Okay. Um, on YouTube TV and I get almost every sports channel and all of that stuff and they have their own deal that they have cut with the NFL with Major League Baseball so on and so forth so you know it makes sense that Amazon is seeing this piece of the pie and you know they've got their fingers and everything else so why not why not <laughs> well start, Well, it's not even going to happen until 2023 so there's still a while left before we start no, seeing probably something like that run out the contract on the other one exactly exactly so we're gonna have uh, we're gonna go have to we're gonna gonna we're going to go, go ahead and have to wait i can't talk again i'm all tongue-tied you right? haven't had your coffee yet i really have not had my <laughs> coffee right now so that's why i'm just like die <laughs> that's where i'm at right now Anyways, we'll just have to see what happens in 2023 because now Amazon has Thursday Night Football. So we'll see what happens with that. Coming up next in video game news, Marvel's Avengers is uh, has a slate of downloadable games coming at us uh, for 2021. We'll talk a little bit about that. But first, here's Zakeda's Lovers right here on the Xander Effect.
tell you what's cracking like it before I proceed. I'ma show you where to put it at. PCD on me. Yeah, I thought I saw a pussycat. Now roll with the big dog. All six of y'all on me. Now tell me how I feel, baby dog. Ashley, Nicole, call me Jessica, Kimberly, Melody. You telling me? Hot. Listen up. Pussycat Dolls featuring Snoop Dogg Buttons right here on the Xander Effect. In video game news, looks like uh, Marvel's Avengers is finally getting downloadable content. Now, as we all know, uh, the video game, it wasn't the most popular video game. I mean, I played it and after that campaign, you're kind of left with, okay, Okay, what now? I mean, it's a very it's a very long game as it is. It's a little complex, sort of a little bit. Um, but uh, let's be honest, it wasn't really the best game that Marvel shelled out. We were expecting a lot more. A lot of us, like the fans, were like, "Well, if it's anything like the movies, this is going to be awesome." You know, I mean, it's going to be a great game. You know, you have all these uh, all these heroes with superpowers. I get to choose who I want to be. We expected a lot more. We didn't get a lot more. We got something very mundane and it did not receive great reviews. I'm one of those that I'm like, you know what? If I were to give it, you know, uh, something out of 10, I'd probably give it like a four out of 10 because uh, it wasn't it wasn't the best. Yes, the story was good and everything. And yes, you get to play your different characters as far as heroes go. But I don't know. There's just something missing about the game. And I just, I can't put my finger on it. It it got boring. Uh, So much so that I just was like, I stopped playing. I haven't played marbles since, since I beat the campaign months ago. Um, That's how boring it got. Like, I'm just like, I don't, I don't want to, I don't feel like doing all this stuff, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. And I wasn't the only one. Many gamers also uh, expressed this, their displeasure for the game. They weren't too happy with it. Uh, some were went so far as to say, hey, I, I kind of want my money back. This game was not what I expected. It's crap. So looks like Mar- Marvel heard their pleas and they're trying to kind of make amends for trying to make up for for their their error in that game um mind you however they're not making it free which many gamers are like you might as well make this like a a free game because it sucks so badly (laughs) you know but they're not they're actually not as a matter of fact the reason why they're not is because they're adding more content they uh they went ahead and had a, a meeting today i believe 
the the uh, the Square Enix. Uh, they decided to share their roadmap for 2021 for the Marvel's Avengers, and in March they have Operation Hawkeye: Future Imperfect, which is a new uh, a, a new I believe it's a new mission. Uh, this is for the next gen consoles, which by the way. I got. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of happy about that myself right now. Um, so this one, this one actually has a new hero, villain, and story. Free upgrade uh, to next gen. Uh, reassemble campaign replay customize customizable harm room so that's for march in the spring they have the tachyon anomaly uh play as any combination of your favorite heroes tachyon missions uh scaled for power levels one through 100 they also have the red room takeover and that was that one is enter the red room with new themed harm rooms room content and new hero outfits now in the summer and beyond they don't really say when beyond but in the summer and beyond they have the cosmic cube which has new scientist supreme villain sector uh confront uh confront the unchecked power of the cosmic cube they also have wasteland wasteland patrol new war zone new war zone mission type patrol mode uh new war zones and assignments within the wasteland re- uh region N- and then the the last one they have which is really cool this is this is something that uh, is really uh, like many people have been expecting this and they were wondering why it wasn't with the original heroes Wakanda, uh, war for wakanda this is where they're adding in uh black panther uh new hero Black Panther, uh, new hero outfits, power level cap increase, new villains including Claw, new Claw faction enemies, new story, new uh, Wakandan jungle, uh, is it biome something like that, and a new outpost. Also, they have additional features, which is the Omega level threat missions. This is going to be in the spring, starting in the spring. Omega level threat missions, uh, multiplayer mega hives, which is really cool. Uh, Post level 50 progression, outfits inspired by Marvel Comics uh, Cinematic Universe. Uh, ongoing improvements include balance tuning, gear and progression, collectible comic system, and matchmaking. All this is going to be in the new Marvel Avengers uh, for 2021. This is the slate for 2021. So, Can I just say except for the Wakanda one none of that sounds like it's making the game any better okay this is what, what bothers about Hawkeye? me have you included this Hawkeye what, in this it is, this is what bothers me and you know this pisses me off it's lazy programming Yeah. you make a crappy game and you know people did not like it i mean i'm sorry it's it's you may have a few people who enjoyed it but overall this was not a game that was received well at all true and you have a crappy game and what are you doing instead of fixing it or instead of moving on and giving somebody them something better it's oh let's give you more of crap (laughs) here here's a crappy game and we're gonna add more crappy levels and more you know more crap for you why it's 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 bad in the first place why do i want more of it you know i mean personally personally i think they would have done better if they would have done standalone games 
with each individual hero. Mm-hmm. Like a standalone game for Thor, standalone game for Hulk, standalone uh, like they do with Spider Man, which would be great. Except the problem with that is that would take actual storytelling ability. <laughs> they would have to come up with actual stories for yeah, these right. games. Yeah, true. They don't have this ability as we've seen because it's. I, I, but they're also money driven companies, so I mean, this would have made them more money if they would have done individual so, games. But, it, but again, we've seen this. There's a lack of great storytelling in modern games. That's why when a game like Mass Effect comes out, like when that came out, you know, the original Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3. That was a story-driven game. Fun game to play, but a story-driven game that people were chomping at the bit to play the next installment so they could find out how the story went. True. You know, games like that are rare nowadays. They really are. Uh, I'll throw it back to the original KOTOR, Knights of the Old Republic. Mm -hmm. Uh, That game for the original Xbox... I mean, one of the most brilliant story was like a book. Yeah, I, I remember I when, that, it was good. when that game came out. I played almost four or five days straight because I had to find out what happened next. Yeah, it, it wasn't. I mean, the game was fun to play, but it wasn't the gameplay that kept me coming back. It was the story was so good, I had to know what happened next. True. And how often do we see that now in the games? It's really, really rare. Yeah. Um, for me, Skyrim had a little bit of that. I still haven't uh, played Skyrim. Don't judge me. I still haven't played that one. Dude, well, that's because you have so much you have. I know. You know that you're playing. <laughs> you so many and, and again, Skyrim, similar to Valhalla, I mean, you're 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 investing months if you yeah. if you get into this game. I mean, you are. It's all you're playing. For I mean, right now, right now, I'm on, right now, I'm on uh, Black Ops uh, Cold War, and they just came out. They have a new. Uh, they have a new uh, season, you know, for Battle Pass, and I'm still trying to complete that. And then you got Madden that also has, you know, uh, a new playmos and uh, this is just so much to play. <laughs> it's all over the place. So, yeah. But it, you see, for me, it's all about the, a great story-driven game. And if you're going to do yeah. a superhero game, put a good story in there. You I mean, know? this story wasn't too bad. The story I, wasn't I, too I bad. I know, but at, from what I've heard, it was the, the main campaign and it was just that's it was disappointing it yeah, didn't it live up to it. what everybody wanted so you know for me them trying to do six or seven different individual games i don't think they'd be capable of it i mean they'd have to hire script writers real script writers not these video game guys they keep getting that you know, <clears throat> write this <clears throat> drill hello i mean i'm not trying to say anything you know real I, script I writer no right what do you mean <laughs> <laughs> but I'm I'm not sure the video game companies right now are capable of that. True. You know, there's there's very few companies like uh you know Kojima and stuff like that that are oh, willing dude. to go the extra mile. Those Metal to, Gear freaking oh my god, they're you know, epic there's, stories. There's not a lot of per, there's not a lot of companies that are doing that kind of game anymore yeah true i mean when i mean oh dude that's the reason why i got so addicted to playing metal gear because of the Mm storyline because it had such a great storyline and man it it just included things from the past not even from from these like because metal gear started 
in what like uh, I think it was like Sega or Nintendo or something like that. It was one of the I can't remember when I, it I exactly can't, started, I, I can't but it either. was very very early nineties. It was it was pre PlayStation because PlayStation yeah. was the first new uh, gaming system that that was like for the new for for the future or whatever. Um, but it was pre PlayStation, and what's cool is that when Metal Gear came out, they included stuff from the old from the old storyline, you know, nice. from the old stuff, which is really awesome. So, I mean. It's it's definitely yeah, Kojima definitely did a, an incredible job with uh, Metal Gear with that, you know. But uh, yeah, I agree with you. It's they need to. Here's hoping that they actually like create because the one with Hawkeye does have a new story and a new mission. So we have yet to see what what that story is going to be about, what continuation is going to be about. So we have to see what happens with that. We don't know. We have no idea. I mean, no. Toss it up in the air <laughs> and see what falls. Who knows? Anyways, that's the news in case you haven't heard it. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in to the Xander Effect. Remember, you could go ahead and watch the Xander Effect. Watch it. Not just listen to it, but also watch it. Watch this, you know, ugly mug and this ugly mug. Um, you did not want to see these faces. Come on. <laughs> With these awesome hats. Well, mine is awesome. His is like whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come on, my Trojans. Represent me. Maybe. <laughs> you see LA sucks. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> Anyways, make sure to watch this craziness. Go you know, that's how the chant goes. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> make sure you watch this on YouTube. The recast for uh, the, this episode on YouTube will probably happen around like what I'd say about maybe six or seven p.m. depending on 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 certain things here. But yeah, make sure you, do, you check out the recast on YouTube. Subscribe to you, YouTube page. You know, hit that notification button so that way, as soon as it drops, you'll be able to watch us on youtube uh make sure you check us out on all streaming platforms spotify iheartradio.com apple podcasts and so many others uh again want to thank uh our guest for today that came through today uh ali levine make sure you check out her instagram her social media and also her podcast as well it's amazing I'd like to thank this gentleman right here for joining me as always jeremy thank you so much for being here with me as usual absolute pleasure as always brother putting up with you <laughs> that's what it's all about <laughs> uh, remember that we're still in a pandemic right now we're still uh, getting over it little by little you know things are starting to reopen little by little but still uh, there's many people that haven't gotten vaccinated yet uh, the, the line is really long uh, to get there so be courteous to them make sure you continue to wear your masks wear your gloves if you got them wear your goggles if you got them practice social distancing practice uh, general hygiene and and remember, music always, always heals all. We'll see you next time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was like, open them up. Yeah. 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 The Xander Effect is powered by 5050 Global Music Inc., Sony Music The Orchard, and Bertelsmann. In association with Art19 Media.